You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Co-op Podcast, episode 205. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, man. I'm, I've recovered from my cold now, so so that's good, and looking forward to the show. Glad to hear that you have fully recovered. Um, we're also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. I've been on the grind lately for a number of reasons, which I'll talk about in just a bit, but there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. So let's get right into it. I'm ready. Yes. And of course, we are joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? It's going good. As always, happy to be back for another week. Yes. Happy to have you all back for another week. And uh, Max, uh, later on, you're going to have to give a shout out to uh, EA and Dice because I know that they made sure you advertised their product today. <laughs> I'm not advertising the second game. Let's be clear on that. I just really, really like the first one. Yeah, well, I believe that Mr. Lugo played the the, the new game. If you don't know what we're yep. talking about, we're talking about Mirror's Edge and uh, Catalyst. I don't know what to say about that game, but... Uh, yeah. Read my review. And that's uh, everything you need to know, guys. If you're curious about Mirror's Edge Catalyst, that game should have been much better than what it was. Even though I, like Max, I loved the first game. I, I think it's got a cool world and stuff, but that was just not as good as it could have been. Should have been much, much better. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I have to agree with that. We'll see. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, um, we do have a couple of news topics to talk about today. It wasn't really too much major stories but uh we do have some things we, we are going to get into but before we do that obviously we're going to talk about what we have been playing this week so i'm going to switch it up this week gary how about you go first and let us know what you've been playing yeah so not much has changed um i've been playing overwatch of course and um i also finally beat mass effect andromeda today so yeah, I'm finally done with that game, and I'm so happy that I'm done with it now. Um, as for the like the ending, it wasn't you know it wasn't that great. It wasn't anything spectacular really. Uh, it didn't make it worth playing for all those hours. Uh, but you know it was very action packed, and there was there was some cool scenery along the way. Like there were some cool scenes that were very reminiscent to like Star Wars or something. Like you know some some pretty cool action sequences. But besides that, like, yeah, um, I guess we're still going to do a podcast on this game eventually. But yeah, overall, I feel like the game is like 80% filler and, you know, only 20% of it is has any substance, really. Um, so, yeah, that that's quite a shame when you compare it to, you know, the old Mass Effect games. But hey, I mean, you know, this was a different team that worked on it. The original team was working on something else. So... And you know a lot of the the talent from Bioware left the team left the team before um you know left the company before this game came out. So yeah, it was it was always going to be a lot different to to those games, I guess. But still, um, I think it could have been a lot better than it was. But that's just me. Still still fun here and there though. 
Uh, and I've also been playing a game called Heroes of the Storm, which is a- another Blizzard game. And the reason I decided to try this out was because uh, there was actually some um, exclusive skins for Overwatch that you could unlock by playing Heroes of the Storm. So, you know, I, I basically played the game, in, you know, in hopes of getting unlocking the, the new D.Va skin. But um, I think I might have missed the chance, actually, because um, I know that there's like a new reward each week. And I'm not sure if I missed the week for to, to unlock that, you know, that particular skin. But the game, you know, it's kind of fun once you learn how to play it. It's a lot like um, League of Legends. It's basically Blizzard's version of League of Legends. You know, you have to kind of um, control the lanes and battle the enemies and your, your team has to level up and unlock new abilities. And, you know, the ultimate um, objective of the game is to take out, like, the enemies. Um, I forget what they call it, but it's like a big kind of structure, like a weak point, basically, at their base that you have to destroy. And, you know, whichever team does that first is the winner of the game. So, you know, there's a lot of strategy involved before you, you make it to the other enemy's base so so that you can take out, you know, their uh, structure or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds complicated, but once you get into it, it's really fun, fun to play. Um, so I might, you know, I might give that game a bit of a whirl some more and see how it is, see if, like, it becomes my new Overwatch or something, but I doubt that. Uh, and... Yeah, that's pretty much all I've been playing this week. All right. Uh, I want to make two quick comments before I move on to the next person. Um, first and foremost, uh, you said Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, I, I would like to congratulate you on completing the game, and I will give a full disclosure now to those that have been wondering when we are going to do the Mass Effect podcast. We will do it soon, but I must confess that I, if I am on that show, you know, I'm not, I have no intent of finishing the game. Because I understand that, you know, we've been playing the game. Some of us have complained about, you know, just not really feeling like we, you know, it's a chore to complete the game. When it feels that way um, and you have so many other games to play, it's just I, I, I'm not going to fight it. So I will talk about why I um, chose not to finish the game or some of the issues I had with the game if I am on that show. But I just wanted to congratulate you for having finished it, Gary, because I, I, I don't know if I can finish it. Um, eventually, <laughs> maybe, but we'll see. Yeah, like, and let me say as well that I think I feel like this game gave me burnout because, like, there's just there's so much to do, like, and it's all filler. Like, I'm I'm getting tired of games like that where it's you know a big open world, but it's just tons of filler. Like, because I, I felt like I was obligated to complete all these different objectives because I didn't want to miss any important information. But in the end, like, it really meant nothing. And, you know, I spent all those hours completing those, you know, tedious quests and uh, mission objectives or whatever. And, you know, it just, it doesn't really feel like like it meant anything to, you know, to the outcome of the game. And, you know, I, I feel like experiences like that are giving me a bit of a gaming burnout, which is why, you know, I, I play a lot more Overwatch because, like, that you know you don't have to overthink that type of game it's just it's all about the fun in the gameplay itself you know and it feels refreshing to kind of play something like that so yeah like a lot of these um heavy-handed titles are kind of giving me burnout and i'm kind of like shying away from them like i think next i want to play uh, maybe a telltale game or near just because like 
you know they're not open world they're not you know story intensive well they, they are story based but like it's not like where you have to progress through hundreds of missions to you know get to the next part of the story or whatever so yeah i feel like i'm gonna scale back and play some shorter experiences for a while totally understand that uh and one other thing that i didn't want to say because you mentioned overwatch uh why don't you tell us now, now that the embargo has lifted, let me know what you think about Quake Champions, because I know you wrote a preview about this game on the site. Oh, yeah. So, and you kept telling me how there were some issues with this, you know, which made you appreciate Overwatch a little bit more. So tell us more about why that is. Yeah, I forgot to bring up that game, actually. Um, yeah, so Quake Champions, uh, I mean... I wouldn't really say that their issues. The issue lies in the fact that they're they're catering to um, like dedicated Quake fans, I guess. And I feel like in this day and age, we've experienced so many different types of like first-person shooters, and these mechanics have advanced so much since you know the the old days of Quake that I, I feel like not many people are you know going to enjoy the quake experience anymore and you know the playing quake champions it felt like literally you just have to run into an enemy and shoot at them aimlessly and just hope that it hits them hopes that you know your bullet hits their their hitbox like that it's it's really weird because it feels like there's not really much strategy but there kind of is you know like a specific way that you have to hit the opponent to make it register like so there is some level of skill but it's like you have to get used to their own specific movement you know in in the game it's not you know it's not like any other game that you'll play right now in terms of being a shooter um and it just felt like the 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 characters have no weight to them like they're really floaty they bounce around and i just really didn't enjoy the the game as much especially you know playing something like overwatch where um, your skill with aiming and stuff actually matters. Like you have to to be really skilled with each character. You know, each character is different in Overwatch, so you have to know how to move, and you know, you have to um, work with a specific pace for each character. But in in Doom, it's just like you run around, you jump, you you shoot aimlessly. Like like there is there is actually a mechanic for you to aim, but like there's there's like no situation where you'll you you'll want to use the aim because as soon as you try to you're going to get killed straight away like it, i don't see why you can aim down your your weapon at all because like people are just going to run into you and shoot and that's it like you'll you'll be fragged in seconds so yeah it just felt really weird playing a game like that um i used to really enjoy quake like back in the early 2000s and stuff but it just feels really weird now um to be honest with you but Quake Champions, when it you know when it releases, it will be free on the PC. So I hope people check it out and let me know what they think of it, and let me know if they agree or disagree with you know what I said about it. But yeah, uh, I don't I don't think it's for me. I've played too many like you know modern shooters to to enjoy that game. Uh, hey, fully understand that. Um... Probably we probably should say yeah. I mean, it was a beta, so hopefully, you know, if there are any changes that uh, the development team still needs to make to it, they make those necessary changes. Because uh, you're not the only one who I've spoken to has said that this doesn't really feel like the quake they used to play. Um, so 
I hope that they are listening to that feedback and Bethesda does, you know, make any changes they feel are necessary. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably get a release date at um, E3 in about a month from now. So uh, we'll see how that turns out for them. Yeah, but, uh, I hope it turns out good. Oh, yeah, it should. It should. We'll see. So, uh, okay, so great games all across the board. Uh, I'm going to go to you next, Mr. Lugo. You can let us know what you've been playing. Yeah, sure. And I've been pretty busy. I've been all over the place with this. Uh, speaking of games that are a chore to get through, right? Uh, it's it's already cut out of the bag that I've been talking about on Twitter. I'm writing the DLC guide for IGN on the Neo, the DLC, the was it the Dragon of the North DLC? And I, let me tell you about hard games or about games that make you work for your progress and stuff. Neo, much like any of the Souls games or like Bloodborne, very similar in premise. You guys have probably played it because it's been out for a while. But the Dragon of the North DLC like ups the ante as far as the difficulty and as far as the level that you needed in order to kind of uh, progress through just some of the extra story that comes with that DLC. You can't even access it until you finish the main game. And that's a thing that's lingered around with the Souls games for some time, but it's still just as annoying, and it's still just as frustrating as one could imagine just trying to run through the game, especially now with me, in my case, uh, having to write a guide for it. And it's it's a real pain in the butt, but I'm progressing through it. That's been taking up the bulk of my time over the last, I want to say, about maybe four or five days. I want to say give or take. Uh, besides that, though, there's a bunch of other stuff I've been playing that's come up. Uh, we have a review for the Caligula effect that's coming very, very soon. I have it on PlayStation Vita. Now, I've been playing it. We got it a little bit late. It, we got it, like, right before the game came out. And the game itself, uh, they're saying it's about a 30 to 40-hour RPG. It's very reminiscent of Persona. It's coming from Atlas. It has a lot of similarities to it. Uh, first off, kind of, like, off-the-cuff impressions, I could say, is that it doesn't look like it runs that well on PlayStation Vita. It has a lot of frame, uh, was it frame uh, frame rate issues? And a couple other things, you know, as far as like the the whole screen getting kind of, you know, claustrophobic with menus and different stuff like that. So that's just a couple of little things that I've noticed here and there. But again, I have to get more deep dived into it because that's a game they have to spend a lot of time with before you really pass judgment on it. Uh, besides that, I've also played, uh, was it Birthday? I believe it's called Birth of Birthdays on PlayStation 4. It's another game that we have a review coming for, uh, coming very, very soon onto the site, probably, probably this week. Because that game doesn't seem like it's really that long. But think of like The Sims or Black and White. A lot of those God complex type of games. But a little bit more streamlined for the console in this modern day and age. Uh, it, it has a lot of, you know, nods and kind of like hints and little kind of, you know, offshoot kind of references to like the creationism. Or as far as like creation of like, you know, life. And a lot of philosophical questions involving that. It can get very deep in some instances. So if that's like not your bag, this might not be the game for you. But I'll get into more detail about that once I post up the review later this week. And besides that, I've been playing a couple other games here and there. I've actually been trying to dive into the Nier Automata DLC. I've been trying to like sit down and actually check out like some of the stuff that has to offer or whatnot. Uh, it's cool because you get not only a couple extra outfits, but you also get a couple extra tracks, a little alterations to some of the tracks. So that's pretty cool. But I'm going to be diving into that probably, if not today, probably tomorrow. Because it's just been a cluster of different things happening. And we're trying to get all this stuff done real soon because we're getting ready to go into E3 time. Like this is pregame for E3. It's right around the corner. You know, we at least got a couple weeks. So there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. So I'll be busy probably the next like few days, you know, on the grind playing some more games or just doing more stuff related to gaming. So I'll have more stuff for you guys very, very soon. 
Sounds good. And uh, for the Nier DLC that uh, Mr. Lugo was referring to, yeah, I also, we're probably going to do like a uh, little video discussion on that because I also have that as well. Um, that's going to be, again, it, it probably will be later in the week. Yeah, my, my schedule is pretty busy as well, but we, we will get it done soon for you guys to let you know how that is or what we think about it. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, I think I... I'm actually going to go next, and I'm going to save the best for last, Mr. Max. But uh, as for what I have been playing, um, I actually decided to go back and play Tales from the Borderlands because I wanted to see... There are a lot of people that I've had conversations with where they would tell me that this is the best Telltale game that they have released. Uh, when they said that at that point, I had only finished one episode of the game. So I actually took last week to go through the remaining episodes. And I have to say, um, I believe that those people that said that, they may be onto something because the storytelling within that game is just, it, it, this is up there with The Walking Dead in terms of, you know, the fun factor. I, I will admit that I haven't really played any of the other Borderlands games. I have had one and two, but I haven't really spent enough time in those games to really complete them and finish them and get a feel for how they are because I know they really emphasize loot so much in these games. Um, and Tales of the Borderlands, you know, something that Max brought to my attention is that, you know, they do a better job telling a good story in this game more so than the other Borderlands games. Now, of course, I haven't played those games yet, so I cannot say in my own personal experience that that is something that I noticed. But I will just say, this is a game that, you know, as I said last week, um, it is free on PlayStation Plus uh, this month. So if you are interested, you definitely should play it. Now I can honestly say, yeah, this is a game you should play. Um, just the fact that you have the two characters that you are going back and forth and being able to make decisions as those characters. Um, it's just, it, it, it's, it's so many things about the game that's very hard to describe. You know, it has a lot of you know, a, co a comedy to it, but it also has emotion. It's a good balancing of a lot of things. Uh, and if I was to give a recent example of something else that I feel another form of media that has balanced emotions, comedy, great storytelling, it would be Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because I saw that movie this weekend. That movie was fantastic. Um, I would say this is on the same level of having the same great amount of things in it. So I would say if you are a Borderlands fan, you probably already played this and you will confirm, yeah, it's awesome. If you aren't a Borderlands fan and you're interested, you definitely should check it out, especially if you have PlayStation Plus because, I mean, it's free. You don't have to pay anything to, to download it. Um, but I would say that this is definitely up there on my list now in terms of what Telltale has as far as games. Uh, I'm still playing through Walking Dead Season 3, so obviously when ep Episode 5 comes out, I'll be able to talk more about that in... The Guardians of the Galaxy as well. I have to play that as well. But so far, I would say this game is at the top of the list. It has to be up there with Telltale, with uh, Walking Dead. And I think Wolf Among Us as well It has to be up there as well. But I, I would still say this is better because I wasn't really a fan of Borderlands. This made me want to get into Borderlands now. Um, and the characters are just so great and enjoyable throughout. So definitely check it out if you're interested. Um as for what else I've been playing, I've also been playing through Prey. Now, we are going to have a review for Prey, I want to say, later this week. 
Uh, I'm about more than halfway through the game up to this point because I did get the game late. As everybody knows, Bethesda has a different review policy now for those that actually do get the review copies. Um, but I've been working through this game most of the weekend. I can say right now that the demo, you know, I enjoyed the demo uh, for what it was because to me there was a lot that was in that, that, that was in the demo. And, you know, I like single player uh, games that, you know, pretty much shooters. Now that I've actually played the final game, though, I could say that the game is, is good, but it has some issues. Um, certain things about the game I don't necessarily like. Now, one thing I will say right off the bat is that, um, you know, I know the, de the developers made a decision to make the game difficult. That's that's fine. But what I have noticed is that by making it difficult, what they meant by making it difficult was that you have to really pay attention to the environment that, that, that you're within. Uh, you have to learn how to recycle a lot of the things that you can collect because one thing about that game is that you're, you're able to pick up a lot of items and it's not very made, it's not really clear, you know, which items you don't need and you do need. You have to pretty much do your own research to figure out, well, if you pick up something and it may seem like it's use, useless and, you know, when you read a description of an item, it will say it's decaying, stuff like that. You do have some instances where you pick up an item and it tells you this is an item you shouldn't carry for a long time, but that's very rare. You have to basically pick and choose the items that you want to get rid of. And then by doing that, you're able to recycle those items and create other different things such as weapons, ammunition, etc. But a lot of this stuff is stuff you just have to figure out on your own. There's not really a guide out there that will tell you this is what you get, how you create this item, so on and so forth. None of that is in the game. So it requires a lot of of, of trial and error to figure this stuff out. Uh, the difficulty, though, when you actually face these mimics or phantoms is what they call the aliens in the actual game. Um, it's very, very, uh, you know, very, very challenging, I would say. You know, you are able to sneak in certain instances across these aliens, but as you get deeper into the game, that becomes a lot more challenging. And then you have to be very aware of how much am ammo you're actually using because if you're using too much then you'll get to another enemy encounter you'll be dead right before you know it so some stuff you just have to learn to play as you go through it um other little aspects about the game that i don't like where you have to basically there's a, at one point in the game where you have to search for different scientists throughout the campaign you come up to a monitor and you're picking different people and when you pick someone that you see is alive, that person is set as a waypoint that you have to find them. But the issue with that is that you're only able to do that individually for one person, whereas there's like 30 to 40 scientists that you have to find within the game that are still in different parts of the area. So you have to constantly go to these different screens and check out this waypoint, that waypoint. Where as opposed to just picking something and then having a full list of all the scientists at one time. That was very, very annoying to, to have to go through that process. But um, with that said, I mean, I just honestly say the game is not bad. I don't think it's a game that's necessarily going to be for everybody. Uh, you know, you just have to have patience in a lot of areas. But I will say, like I said last week, the soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, the jump, jump scares, which is something that Max and I have spoken to off air, there's a lot of that, and it, it really gets a little ridiculous as you get deeper into the game, where it's not really so much scary, more so annoying, because you can kind of tell when something is about to happen. And certain stuff like that I'm not really a fan of either. But again, 
everything else the game has to offer is 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 fantastic. You know, it's 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 still a fun experience. Um, but again, it's not for everybody. So I wouldn't say it's a game for everybody to check out. But I mean, I'll have more to say in my review later this week. But so far, I would say it's it's a good game. Is it better than some of the games I played so far this year? It doesn't even that does not even come close. But it's still a good game for what it is. So if you are a fan of Bethesda games, you're interested in Prey, you like the demo, then you might want to check it out. Um, but I'll have more to say once I have completed the game and and I have my review done later this week. But um, that pretty much concludes what I've been playing. So now, Max, uh, the floor is yours. Let us know what you've been playing. Um, a lot of my week was catching up on older games. Uh, aside from trying to play Mass Effect, I kind of have the same problems that Gary has with it, where it's just all filler. Like, I, I sat down and I tried to play it, and I'm just sitting, I'm like, why am I doing this? It feels like I'm forcing myself to play this rather than actually enjoying it, which is kind of a shame because it's Mass Effect and it's one of my favorite series, but they... It's not awful, but they really dropped the ball on this game, even if we're not comparing it to the original trilogy, just as a normal game, comparing it to other games that have come out around it, it's still just, your money could, in time, could be spent better elsewhere, in a lot of cases, in regards to that game. Um, I recently started playing Wolfenstein The New Order, as well as the prequel The Old Blood, and I can't believe I missed these games, they're... Uh, the first one, the New Order, much more so than the prequel, is just absolutely incredible in every sense. It, like, story, gameplay, it's all top-notch. It's weirdly uh, emotional, and it's really well-written, even though the gameplay moments are, like, ridiculously over-the-top, and you shouldn't even be taking it seriously. However, then when you get into cutscenes and everything, it's really dramatic and, like, kind of sad at times and really emotional. But then the game, like wants you to remember that you're still fighting a bunch of nazis like on the moon in space in the future and like to have fun with it as well it's really really cool how it kind of balances those two things and it does it really really well and then the prequel prequel is okay it's nowhere near as good especially in terms of story or anything like that um and then i played a few games of overwatch and halo 5 trying to get those into a regular rotation and then believe it or not i jumped back into destiny the other day and that's something that's probably going to be holding my attention for a little bit because i know the second game's coming out and actually my brother and i just participated in this xbox game sharing thing where we basically have each other's game libraries in addition to our own so i didn't have to pay for the last two expansions because my whole thing was i'm not giving activision more money that's why i'm not playing it anymore so we're basically like have the same home console so that's why i'm checking it out because i figured out what the hell i have them now and the writing is, like, it's actually not bad. The cutscenes are really cool to watch. However, when your bar is zero from Vanilla Destiny, the writing compared to that is, like, way up here. But that's not that much of an accomplishment when you're coming from zero. But it's still really cool to see, and that makes me hopeful that Destiny 2 may be a bit better than I expect it to be. But I'm still not sold on it, and I won't be sold until... Basically, the reviews come, or at least until... It depends on what JJ sees at that Destiny event. I'm looking forward to seeing what he hears about that. Hopefully, that they'll actually be pretty revealing in regards to story and everything, or maybe they'll just be showing gameplay. But we'll have to see, obviously, when he's back from that. But 
Otherwise, I think that's pretty much it for what I've been playing this week. Got a lot in, though. It's, it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. That's awesome. Glad that you enjoyed Wolfenstein, because that, oh. that is the classic. It's uh, amazing. Yes, yes. And the second one's going to be at E3. Like, it turns out that's not even a rumor. Like, that's for sure they're announcing it at E3. I can't, I can't wait for that. Yeah, okay, me neither. I, that's going to be awesome. Um, the way yeah. the way both of you talk about that game, I know I need to play it now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I heard three things about it. it. So. It's so I I went into it just expecting it to just be kind of whatever, but no, it grips you from the start and it explores World War Two, like at least in the early part of the game, like much differently than any other World War Two game I've played, which is really cool. Yeah, see that that game is why I I wanted to give Prey a chance, uh, but no, no. No, that game, you know, Wolfenstein. This is it's in a class all its own. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, so I, I definitely looking forward to hearing more about it. And um, we are going to have to talk after the show about this uh, Xbox uh, sharing feature because I do have a younger brother that uh, I wanted to try and do this with because he there's a lot of games he wants to play, but I have all the games. He doesn't have any games, so we will have to talk about that later. Oh yeah, definitely. It's pretty simple to set up. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, sounds awesome. So that's what we've been playing for this week. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right into the news topics. Uh, first off, uh, we actually got an announcement that Darksiders 3 actually exists. And it is coming out sometime in 2018. Um, I'm not quite sure if we are going to actually see this game playable at E3. I mean, I believe that it's a possibility because I know THQ Nordic is going to be there. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys, what did you think about the announcement? Are you looking forward to Darksiders 3, or do you no longer care about this franchise? Because it's been a while since we've heard about any of these games. So whoever wants to go first. Uh, yeah, um, I, when I saw the trailer, like I was actually really interested in it. Um, I played the first Darksiders, but I never uh, managed to play the second one. Um, I think I might have it on Steam, but I can't really remember. But yeah, I never really, um, you know, I never really felt the desire to play the second one for some reason, even though I've heard good things about it. But this one, like just from watching the trailer, it's got me interested because um, I like the whole approach with the, the seven deadly sins and stuff and then the introduction of the new character. And I know there's actually been some controversy over that character as well because, um, you know, it's a female character and stuff but i don't mind it like because the character looks really cool for one and it doesn't come across as like them forcing the character on us to be politically correct or anything so like to me the character actually seems interesting so you know i have some level of interest there and you know i might actually buy the game but i'll keep an eye out and see what happens yeah i'm pretty interested in it too Oh, sorry, JJ, you want to go? No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Um, I'm pretty interested in it, too. Uh, it's a series I always wanted to really get into, but I never got around to it. I actually own both the Xbox 360 versions, so um, I actually downloaded the first one, so I'm going to be playing that soon, probably after I beat uh, Wolfenstein's prequel, because I don't want to keep starting all these games and never finishing them, but they seem really, really cool. They seem right up my alley, and... 
You know what's kind of annoying about that um controversy controversy you brought up, Gary, is that I know that character, she's from like the previous two games too, so it's not even like a new character. And I know some people are kind of complaining about they're like, oh, they're just doing this just to like have a female character, but like she's been in the games from what I know. So it's just it's a really, really dumb complaint in my opinion. But I'm definitely excited for it. It looks awesome and it's cool to see that the franchise is still coming back because I've seen nothing but positive stuff about that. Like everyone's like aside from the female controversy, but level headed people are all like, Wow, yeah, more Dark Siders. Hell yeah, that's awesome. So it's cool. Let me put it this way that whole thing, that quote unquote controversy about Fury being the main character of Dark Siders three, that's a controversy to me. That's not a controversy whatsoever. What the controversy was that some people were a little bit upset about, and understandably so, was that Dark Siders three was actually going to be revealed on IGN as part of IGN first, but it actually got leaked out on Amazon in France. And so a couple people were a little bit upset about that, but it, it's not that much of a big deal. The people complaining about Fury being the main character and stuff are clearly just complaining to complain. That that's that and we're still in that state now with the industry where for whatever reason, because some people feel like they're they're a little bit tired of of people rubbing female protagonists in their faces, which isn't a bad thing. I don't I don't get why everybody's still on edge about this. You know, we we we've, I thought we'd move past that point because we still have we have great female protagonists in a lot of games and stuff so that that should not be an issue with any game whatsoever but with this one i feel like it's just that small vocal audience that's just complaining to complain so it's not a controversy to be it's just people that are just being loud that are whatever what i think it's cool is that we are getting another darksiders what i think is going to be a shame and funny enough i think it was greg miller brought it up on one of his podcasts that this might be one of those same instances kind of like mirror's edge catalyst the same idea you know kind of because uh max is wearing the hat with it today but but like the same instance with mirrored's edge catalyst and a few other titles that people have asked for this series but never put their money where their mouth is that they didn't really go out and buy it they didn't really go out and support it like that and it's totally true because darksiders 3 i know has been in development for quite some time or at least has been tossed around a lot for quite some time because after darksiders 2 a lot of people said that they wanted another one and I think it would be even cooler is if with each one of the Darksiders games, we got to play a different Horseman of the Apocalypse because that's what I'm seeing so far. And I actually like that idea. And I think it's great because the first one we played War, the second one we played Death, the third one now we're playing Fury. And I think the last one I believe is Pestilence, right? If I'm not mistaken, because there's four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So I could get the names wrong and such. But I like that idea. And I think that'd be really interesting. I think that Darksiders as a franchise has an interesting lore that more people could get into. I think that they need to flesh it out a little bit more. Maybe they'll do so in the third game, you know, as far as giving us more insight about some of the elders that the, was it the four horsemen kind of report to and other stuff that's going on within the battle between angels and demons, as well as earth and all that kind of, you know, world building there. I feel like that could be fleshed out a little bit more. So hopefully if this one does successful, we get a fourth one and that'll be a good wrap up hopefully to that franchise before THQ Nordic decides to do something else, which by the way, Bad choice for THQ Nordic to retain their name because there's a lot of negative connotation, especially how that company went down previously. I think that's really important to note. We'll see if the name of the company or at least the, the reputation of the company uh, because of the bad taste in everybody's mouth about it, if that carries on to the success of Darksiders 3 or at least has any sort of effect on it because I think that's very important. Had this game actually been released or been coming out under a different company or a different publisher, I think that might actually be to its benefit to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I just want to say I, I very much enjoy the real talk that you brought to this, this particular topic just now because I think a lot of that stuff had to be said. 
Um, I, you know, I just to, to, to get back on the topic of the game itself, I, um, I'm someone who I wanted to play. I mean, I started playing through the first Darksiders, you know, I did pick up the second one because one thing that I learned about myself in the past, I've gotten a little bit better about this now, is that normally if a game has a ton of hype or a ton of um, attention on it, uh, I will pick it up even if I haven't really tried it out yet. And with Darksiders 2, unfortunately, I picked it up, but I never played it. Um, I wanted to, to, you know, because of the fact that it, this is about the Four Horsemen and because of the themes of the game, I wanted to go through each game individually starting with the first game. And I, if I recall, I started playing the first Darksiders um, around the time right before Xbox One was about to come out. So I never finished it. And then Xbox One came out. I said, oh, well, that's it. I'm probably not going to go back to this series. Now, with that said, I will go back to it now since the game is backwards compatible on Xbox One and finish what, you know, I may have to actually replay certain aspects of it. But, um... I'm looking forward to the third game. I obviously have to play through the other two first to get the full experience. I know this character was already in, I believe, the first game. I don't know if she was in the second one. Um, so it, the controversy or the you know the fake controversy of people worried about the character is pointless because obviously these people didn't play the first game. They would know this character has already been introduced. So we knew that there was going to be a game coming with this character at some point. Um, but with that said, um, I'm definitely I definitely want to check it out. I do agree that the THQ Nordic uh, name that I am interested to see how that turns out. Also, because I know what happened with THQ before, because I used to review some of those games on the website, um, and you know, I don't know what's. I remember going when on. they went under. I remember when they went under, and there was a whole big news deal about it with the industry because that was a big deal. That was the end of an era for a lot of people for THQ. Because they made a lot of games back in the day, especially back on the 64-bit era, especially with the wrestling games and, and a bunch of others. Uh, and I will say this, you know, I'm at least glad that, you know, some people who I know who used to work over there, they're doing a lot better now. You know, one of the guys that did work on one of the wrestling games is now working over at Sony Santa Monica on God of War. So I think he's doing a hell of a lot better than he was doing when he was at THQ. Um, but... We'll have to see how that pans out. But I, I'm glad that they made the announcement. You know, it's unfortunate that it leaked ahead of time, you know, but we are in a season now where there's going to be a lot of leaks. And I expect there to be a ton of leaks, you know, as we get closer to E3, just like it was last year. You know, I'm hoping some stuff gets saved. And that was the one thing that, you know, when I heard about the game and and because I know that this game was came out last week, news about this. I was hoping that, you know, I said to myself, I hope there is something that is safe for E3 because it'll be unfortunate to know about everything that's coming and then we get to E3 and then it's like, oh, well, there was no surprises because we already heard about this stuff ahead of time. But uh, we'll see because this happens every year. But um, definitely looking forward to the game, I would say. And from what it sounds like, everybody here is looking forward to trying it out. So we'll see whether or not it's good. Hopefully it is at E3. We can get some hands-on time with it. And then we can talk more about it. But um, do you guys have to say anything else about Darksiders 3 before we move on to our next topic? Looking forward to it. That's all. Yep. Yes. Okay, so now we're going to get to a topic that I'm pretty sure you definitely have a lot to say on, Mr. Lugo. I have a lot to say as well. Injustice 2 DLC characters. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so we received, we got a trailer this week from the first DLC pack. Um, it, I believe it includes Sub-Zero, uh, Red Hood, and what is the other character that it includes? It's another... Starfire from the Teen Titans. Starfire. Okay. okay. Now, obviously, we got that trailer, and then there were a couple of silhouettes that were in that trailer of other characters that are going to be revealed um, that we do have a couple of thoughts on. But I wanted to ask you first, now, what do you think about the initial three characters that we're getting in this DLC pack right off the bat? I think it's a cool selection. Uh, I think it's great. The Teen Titans are getting some love, especially now uh, since we're starting to hear rumors and and even confirmations about a Teen Titans uh, live action series, as well as also the cartoon stuff, Young Justice. That's very cool. I think that's awesome. I think Starfire is a great selection out of that team because we already have Robin in the form of Nightwing, or at least, you know, Nightwing Robin, Dick Grayson. We already have him in there. We've had Raven in the game. We've had, uh, what is it, Cyborg. I know the other people have been asking for Beast Boy, but definitely I think Starfire is a great choice. Uh, I, I'm surprised that she's being DLC and not in the main game, but there could be any number of reasons for that because I don't even think we have the entire roster that's in the main game right now for Injustice 2. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think that we've had like a complete roster uh, reveal just yet. But that's pretty cool. Red Hood is another interesting pick. Again, there's a lot of Batman love in the Injustice games. But uh, again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of great characters to choose from, especially from the rogues gallery for Batman. So Red Hood seems ideal, like a good choice or a good addition, especially as DLC. Sub-Zero. Now, here's the funny thing about Sub-Zero. We've known about Sub-Zero coming to this game for a while now. A lot of people have had that as rumors, you know, ever since Scorpion was in the first game. I'd be very curious to see if Scorpion makes it into this game as well, you know, as they start introducing other Mortal Kombat characters. But besides those three, which is the first combat pack, I guess you could say, or the first character pack that's going to be for Injustice 2, they're, do- they're handling this very similar to Mortal Kombat X or Mortal Kombat XL when every single one of the character packs came out. Uh, there's going to be a season pass. We know this. That's just how the way the world works for it, and I think it's fine. I think it's great. But let's talk about some of those other characters that are silhouetted. And I actually got a picture pulled up now, and I'm pretty sure some of you guys, if you've seen the trailer, you know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, definitely look it up whenever you have a chance later after this show. But the character silhouettes I want to talk about, we want we got to talk about Raiden, which is an interesting choice. I think it's very, very cool to see him uh, represented in this game, especially as a Mortal Kombat character, because the easy go-to is Scorpion Sub-Zero. I, I feel like Liu Kang could have been another one, which I really believe in one of the other packs that Liu Kang is going to be a character that that is part of that pack that represents Mortal Kombat, because every single one of these three groupings, these triplets, these groups of three, these three different character packs. It seems like there's one MK character per pack. So we got Sub-Zero in the first one, which is the one we know that's confirmed. We see Raiden in the second one over on the right side. And we don't know if what the other one is for the one on the left with Black Manta, which is that silhouette there, which is easy to pick out. He's got a very distinct helmet, much like Raiden has a very distinct hat. I really believe out of all the characters that are on the left side that we see in that trailer, I think that either one of them is going to be the cyber, one of the cybernetic ninjas, like Cyrax or Sector or even Triborg from MKX. I think that would be a great pick because then you have all three of them in one character. That would be cool. Or the other one is going to be Liu Kang because those, that's the other go-to characters from the MK universe that I feel like you could go to and people will be kind of excited. Granted, all the Mortal Kombat characters have a fan base, every single one of them. Again, a lot of them have been around for many, many years. But... but Liu Kang is like the poster child 
for that for that uh franchise besides scorpion and sub-zero being like the most recognizable characters but really the main hero of the series has really always been Liu kang i feel like that could be a good pick if not also kung lao but i feel like with raiden it seems pretty ideal that like that's what they're gonna go with i don't think you need another hat character from that series but let's talk about some of the other characters that might be from the dc universe now on the right side in that trailer again if you're looking at it i'm just referring to the one i'm looking at now uh a lot of people are saying that the one of the characters on the right side is Azrael from the Batman universe, which I am totally okay with. That is a very cool pick. Uh, one of the things I like about the Injustice 2 roster is that they're really going obscure with the DC characters that they're really pulling from. You know, characters like Firestorm, characters like Starfire, again, which aren't as popular. They're not really as, as obscure, but they're not as popular as like some of the heavy hitters from the DC universe. Uh, to me, this is a pretty cool pick, especially since Azrael has been in Batman, uh, was it Arkham City? And I think he was also in Arkham Knight as well. That's a cool pick, especially if they use that design for Azrael and maybe as a DLC outfit, use his bat suit that he got from the Nightfall storyline. That could be really freaking cool. There's a lot of stuff you could play around with. Now, some of the other characters that are part of the silhouettes, it's very hard to pick them out or who they are or what they are because they're just, again, there's not a lot of distinguishing features from them, which could mean that we could be getting characters that we know of, but we just haven't seen that interpretation of them. It could be anything right now at this point. Everybody seems like they're fair game in the DC universe, but, you know, granted within reason. I would have loved, and I still believe, and I really hope at some point they could decide to do something as crazy as, like, the Wonder Twins. Which is which was the, the April Fool's teaser that they had a while back that Ed Boon was putting out there. But stuff like that along those levels, I feel like could really give Injustice 2 a lot of hype behind it, a lot of personality, a lot of fun. It could really make an impact, especially when it comes out in the wake, or at least, you know, within the same type of realm or vicinity when we're going to get other games like Tekken 7. We're going to get other uh, stuff that's going on with Street Fighter 5. We're going to get other stuff, including later in the year with uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. There's a lot of fighting game stuff that's happening right now, and I feel like Injustice 2 has a lot of good flavor with it, with the superhero stuff that's going on, as well as also the just the, the diverse cast that we have of characters that are not just recognizable names and not recognizable faces, both from the DC universe and now, again, the Mortal Kombat universe, which is awesome. So those are just my thoughts on the matter. But what are you guys thinking about this? All right. I, I, I have some thoughts, but uh, I want to see if Max or Gary has a thought that they would like to say first about the characters. So. Um, I really don't. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Max. I was just going to say, I don't really have a whole lot to say just because I'm not super into fighting games or anything like that. But it sounds cool. Like Injustice is something I would definitely play at some point maybe later on down the line. Okay, Gary. Fun fact, I want to throw in there before Gary goes, because somebody just brought it up in the chat. They say that they wish that one of the characters was Static Shock. If they included Static Shock in this lineup, not only would that be super freaking cool, but I swear to God, I would go to E3 and I would buy Ed Boon a cake. If that was that. (laughs) No, because for the record, I feel like Static Shock is a character that's very cool, especially if you watch that uh, WB or Kids WB cartoon back in the day. During the, t- during the time of like the animated series and stuff. But the comics and stuff, it's a very cool concept, very interesting stuff that I feel like could be represented a little bit better in the DC universe, or at least the DC universe of comics and stuff. It'd be awesome to have a character like that because that's so unexpected and it's such a cool, it could be such a cool interpretation of like his powers and stuff in the MK engine or the universe. That'd be, a, that'd be awesome. I'd be totally down with that. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Gary, you was about to say something. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was pretty much just gonna echo what Max said. I'm I'm not that interested in like you know in DLC and stuff. If I do buy this game, it's literally just gonna be to fight some of my friends who who will also be buying the game. But um, I'm not you know that invested in injustice. So yeah, not too many thoughts from me. Okay, so th- this is what I would say. Um, the DLC characters, I-, I have to agree. Red Hood, I'm glad that he's in the game to some extent. Um, I think there's, I have a little bit of confusion because we still don't know. I mean, I don't believe that, that they have said how many characters are actually going to be in the game yet uh, on the actual roster, not including DLC. I-, I do want some clarity on that, but... In terms of the characters, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm fine with the characters, but I, I do have to say this, and, and this is something that some people may agree or disagree on, uh, the inclusion of the Mortal Kombat characters. This is something I have a bit of a concern with. Now, I understand that we had Scorpion in the other game, and therefore you have to anticipate that there's still going to be some type of other characters in this game. That's why we have Sub-Zero and in, 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 in Raiden, supposedly. But my issue was that, you know, Ed Boon had an interview recently where he spoke about the whole reason that he was glad that DC gave him the opportunity to do the Injustice game because it was a break from Mortal Kombat. And he also mentioned that, you know, a game like Mortal Kombat, it has a lot of over-the-top violence, the fatalities and stuff like that. So whenever I see a Mortal Kombat character in this game, and I know that they are not going to do a fatality on a DC character because Warner Brothers will not allow that type of stuff. That gets me annoyed. And I have to question, well, why are they even in the game? Because when you think about Mortal Kombat, you think about violence, you think about fatalities. So the characters can't do fatalities in this type of a game. So I don't know why they're in there. I got a good answer to that, if, or at least a good rebuttal to it. Okay, go ahead. Here's the thing. I feel like after the first Injustice and now from what I'm seeing now with Injustice 2, I feel like this has already established its own identity. That was one of the big problems when, if you remember DC MK versus DC Universe, that came out a while back on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, that was the biggest criticism about that game, besides the fact that it just wasn't very a really good designed game. There was a lot of issues with it, but really the core of it was that it was all these Mortal Kombat characters, and you just people just want to kill the DC superheroes. I think that that type of line of thinking is passe at this point right now think of it this way it could be looked at in the same way as Marvel versus capcom where the the moves and the, it's more about the moves and the characters and the fights and stuff rather than just the idea that you just get to beat down and kill the other character because you don't really have killing in Marvel versus capcom street fighter was never really about that street fighter was really about the crazy over the top moves and the personality and you match that up with the over over outlandishness of the the marvel uh universe so the marvel comic characters and i feel like this could be looked at in the same light granted that's what Mortal Kombat has really kind of stood for. I think really Mortal Kombat is really, besides the killing and the fatalities, it's more about the brutality. It's more about like the craziness and not so much the gore, even though it really, that's what put MK on the mat. I think over the years, it's really become more about how brutal you could be to your opponent. And I feel like you could still apply that to the DC universe without having to full-fledged go on and just kill like characters like Superman and Batman. I think now at this point, we're only just kind of grasping at straws or people that are really concerned about that are really just grasping at straws and not looking at all the other great stuff that that could come with it. With all the uh, MK characters that are coming in now as DLC, because great point that that should be noted, these are all DLC characters. These aren't characters that included aren't included in the main game. It's not like they're forcing the MK characters into the DC universe and they're not forcing them down your throat. Now, 
if this is successful, would I want to see another Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe take or like, you know, rebranded as a totally different game? If it's done like this from what we've been seeing, especially with the Injustice engine and the Mortal Kombat X engine, then yeah, I'm totally down with that. And again, you don't even need to have them killing each other. Just have the brutality still be just as crazy and give me all the characters that I know and love or at least characters that I'm really going to be down with and still make it just enjoyable to play. And I think that's the direction that they're going in. Those are all fair points. And what you say about the DLC, that, that's spot on. Um, we'll have to see what these other characters are. Uh, obviously, we already have some good guesses as to who they are going to be. But um, I, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, honestly, it comes down to seeing how, what, what else this game has to offer. I know that Warner Brothers has said this multiple times. They also said this at the preview event that I went to is that they wanted this to be a fighting game with the biggest roster of DC characters. So I am glad that no Mortal Kombat characters are actually on the roster. But if, like you guys already said, Static Shock is a great, great pick. So if he is not in the game, and then instead we get Raiden, I I, I may be annoyed about that because, you know, that is an opportunity to put in more DC characters um, instead of just having the Mortal Kombat characters in there. But again, we'll see what happens. Again, yeah, this is DLC, so people do have an option uh, as to whether or not they want the characters. But uh, yeah, I, they definitely have to clarify how many people are on the actual roster to start the game, not including DLC. Um, because we already know it's going to be nine DLC characters. That is the whole point of these different tiers of the, uh, the gold edition and these other editions they have. So three of the characters we know, there's going to be six more. Uh, but we still need to know how many people are actually on the roster because I don't I haven't heard nothing to say how many we're actually going to get right out of the gate. Fun um, fact, and there's a fun point that I just thought of that I want to bring up because especially how this ties into the DC comics and stuff, especially mm-hmm. with the obscurity with some of the characters that they're picking or at least the lesser known or the ones that you wouldn't expect. Keep in mind, DC Comics has a thing going on right now called Rebirth, and they have a thing going on with the Watchmen characters. I would be very interested to see if maybe like Dr. Manhattan or the comedian make it into a game like this, if not later on as DLC, because I think that's a perfect mesh, especially, I think it's also DC, not just DC, but Warner Brothers owns the Watchmen movie, right? That they, they have the rights to publish the movie, if I'm not mistaken. That could be a really cool idea to have done. I'm going to, you know what? Maybe if I see Ed Boon at E3, I'm going to ask him about it because that, that'll be worth talking about at some point because that, that seems like a perfect match. Uh, I'm just going to say, uh, and this may may shock some people, I enjoyed the movie, so I would love to see uh, some of those characters in this as well. Um, I mean, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I think that it's more than likely they are going to want to put other characters in there because of the roster they have so far. So I would say this is a possibility, but, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I will add again, I'm very glad to see Joker back in there. I don't really understand how the hell the character has survived, and I'm guess they're going to explain that. But hey, I, I enjoy the Joker, so glad to see him back in some capacity. But yeah, we'll have to see what happens with the rest of the characters in the game. But uh, watch them go into like multiverse stuff. That's how the Joker's probably alive. I bet you because he remember he got killed in the first Injustice. That's what set off the whole thing. So it'll be interesting if they decide to go into the multi universe or the you know the multiple Earth type of uh, deal. Yeah, that that's possible. That's that's totally possible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, any other thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? 
Can't wait. Looking forward to it. It's going to be dope. Yeah, maybe we'll actually get Max to play it. He says he's not, he doesn't really play fighting games, you know, so maybe he will be forced to play fighting games if he goes to E3 and Microsoft is so disappointing what he decides he has to make a lot of different changes in his life now. Uh, we'll <laughs> not see. opposed to them. I actually really enjoyed Killer Instinct for a bit when the Xbox One came out. I played that for quite a bit. It was cool. It was very, very cool. Yeah, it's it's cool. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the next topic. This is another uh, real, real-time discussion topic because, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I was only—I know this is an issue that happened this past week. Um, I just got the information on this right before we started recording. So, Mr. Lugo, feel free to tell us all about this uh, this popular gaming site called Brash Games. Popular, my ass. Let me put it down. Okay, it's time. <laughs> For some real talk, all right? And uh, I'm being a little bit goofy. I'm hamming it up and stuff. But th- let's, uh, let's have some real talk about this, okay? Because this is the type of stuff that not only pisses me off, but also gets me a little bit in a knot because it's the type of thing that gives gaming media, not just the bigger websites, but all people in gaming media, a very bad perception to the general public. And also to the common consumer, the common gaming consumer, the common gamer out there out there that's buying Video games are like your GameStop, your Target, your Best Buy, your HH Greg. All those people that don't know the ins and outs of the industry itself that's just on the outside looking in. This is the type of nonsense that I see that really kind of gives them a bad impression of us. You know, we're in the gaming media. You know, we're not a big outlet. We're, we look at ourselves as like a kind of medium outlet that we do our stuff. We, we, we provide you guys with some great content. We go to E3. We go to PSX. We go to PAX. We go to these different places. We do our job and we try to do it as good as we can. And hopefully one day we get to that point where we're the bigger website. What I have a problem with is when websites out there are, are you know, being run by people that do a lot of shady stuff that do things that not only push down some of the people that are trying to make it in this industry, whether they're trying to get a legit job, they're trying to forge their own way. They're trying to be an entrepreneur and actually build up their website and actually put out a service towards everybody, whether it's through Patreon or not. This is the type of thing that I see that goes on with like brash games specifically that kind of undermines all of that and kind of thinks that or puts in a seed in people's head that everybody in the gaming media, whether you're big or small, ends up being like this or being ends up being the same way. So let me tell you what happened with Brash Games if you don't know what I'm talking about, because this was some big news for a lot of people. I know Jim Sterling talked about this one on, and I think he does a great video where he compiles everything on it. But to give you the TLDR of what's going on, I vlogged about this on YouTube, but let me let me talk about this a little bit. Basically, Brash Games is a video gaming website over based in the UK, where they got exposed recently, and I mean exposed in the most severity of the word, by one of their writers telling everybody about how they don't, they don't pay the writers that actually contribute content, that writers or people that write about video games that go to that website that end up leaving for whatever reason, they snub the writer's name by actually taking off their name from the content that they make, they actually change the author to the to the person that actually owns the website or puts it to the actual website itself rather than crediting the person that wrote that article that review or whatever else they actively change the review scores of the actual games that they review on there which is totally insane to me especially when it's been written and it seems like it's been legit like actually supported and actually figured out and done all this stuff different stuff absolutely insane to me they, and a lot of it came out because it has to do with being on aggregates uh, websites like uh, open critic I think Open Critic even made an actual statement about them when they launched an investigation of their own and actually told them, listen, we don't want them on the website anymore for good reason, because it's messed up 
to, to kind of discredit somebody, you know, not only just because you're parting ways, but also to be petty enough in order to get good good with either publishers or other aggregate websites just by changing your review score. That's very petty. That's very shady. That's very scumbag, to be honest with you. I, I don't use that term loosely, but it's very true. It's the same type of stuff that people actively openly accuse the bigger websites like an IGN, like a Kotaku, like a Polygon, that people are so quick to judge them on doing stuff like that. But yet when an actual website goes out and does about this, not, not enough people are talking about it. When it's actually legit, when it's actually stuff that's going on. And that's the general type of thing that gets applied to all the other people that might not be in the bigger websites, but on the lower end of the actual totem pole. Stuff like uh, people like us that, you know, we actually work our butt off to actually be credible enough to give everybody legit review scores or legit reviews that we actually take time out to play our games and actually discuss them, give you guys podcast content and all this other stuff, written editorial content. That's the type of stuff that undermines everything of what we do. Our actual hustle and our actual grind and the type of stuff that we actually want to make and actually give to you guys so that way we could actually go, get a little bit further and actually be looked at as more credible. You got people that do that type of stuff in, on their own little their own little nonsense and their own little hangups and such, and that gets applied to us and everybody else that's along with it just simply because we're part of the same industry and because there's a negative cognitation, a negative perception by the, by the, the common person that all gaming websites or all gaming media people are quote-unquote corrupt, quote-unquote paid off, quote-unquote doing shady stuff just for the simple fact that we want to get freebies and stuff when it's not true. And it's a shame because not enough people are talking about this. Not enough people are putting them on blast, which funny enough, the reason why we bring this up now besides all that stuff that I just mentioned is because the actual website by the person that actually runs it, which he's going by a pen name, going by a name that I don't even really think is his actual name. He goes by Paul Ryan, not the congressional... In the, in the in Congress or the House of Representatives or the Senate, not that Paul Ryan. Okay, he's just using the name. He, I guess he just doesn't want his name out there because he got put on blast so much for all the shady stuff that he did. He doesn't want to be uh, was it legally viable or legally responsible for some of the stuff that he's doing. Which I think there's a case to be made there, and that's a whole other discussion. One of the other things that pissed me off too, that got me really upset, and I think got a lot of other people upset deservingly so or understandably so was that paul ryan or at least that guy that's that's going by the name paul ryan made a letter and said that like pretty much uh you know kind of like pseudo apologizing for what he did but then he tried to shift blame on a lot of the stuff that was happening on the quote-unquote mental issues of some of the writers that were working for him there that were actually putting stuff out there basically saying that i think it was a couple people either it was depression or adhd or some other type of like stuff like mental issues that some of the writers had that wasn't any point of discussion for what was happening but he tried to spin that in his letter or his letter from the editor saying that was one of the reasons why they let go some of the writers or why there was a parting of the ways and stuff and i think that's very cowardice i think that's very shameful you know for someone to run a website rich you can attest this as someone that runs a website here on the coalition actually is the captain of this ship you have to take responsibility for what your writers do and you have to take responsibility responsibility for what whoever's playing on your same team what they do you take responsibility and then you move on you don't give excuses for some of the stuff that goes on what this guy did was giving excuses for his own hangups for his own nonsense for his own uh what is it his own agenda and i think it's sad to see that in our industry where some people haven't gone past the point of pettiness of stuff like that simply because they would just want to get ahead a little bit further or that they want to be given an extra perk. They want that extra swag. They want to be getting free trips from publishers to go to places here and there. The type of stuff that people call so much BS on all the time on YouTube videos, on podcasts, on editorials, when they just want to bash the gaming media and stuff. But yet when something like this actually legitimately happens, not enough people are talking about it and it's a shame. So 
With that being said, this type of news really disgusts me. As someone, not just as someone who's freelancing for a bigger gaming website, because again, full disclosure, I'm open about it. I do freelance for IGN. I want to work for IGN one day because I want to be able to make an impact in this industry for a lot of good people. But as a human being, as someone that is like understands being in that position where somebody like messes with your work, as someone that actually, you know, that, that there's people out there that either try to discredit you or try to actually do shady things in order to take away from the the hard work that one might have made. I could sympathize for a lot of the writers that have gone through all the nonsense that are being put on the burner by this guy that simply is just being very uh, very shady and very scumbaggy to a lot of the people and also to the audience and to the viewers that visit and frequent his website. It's very shameful that that type of thing still exists in our industry when so many people have been talking about how we have to grow as an industry, we have to mature in order to be taken legitimately and be credible enough by other outlets, which, funny enough, I don't understand why we have to get so much kind of validation from other avenues of entertainment where we could focus so much on our own, especially being a medium that's one of the biggest entertainment mediums on the planet, bigger than movies, arguably, in some in some form or fashion, bigger than music in some form or fashion, even though we are one of the youngest entertainment mediums out there in, uh was it in, in in society you know we, we we're trying to mature as games media as games press and stuff but there are certain things that just like you know we get so caught up on we get so caught up on nonsense whether it's bs arguments over things that we shouldn't be outraged about whether it's nonsense where you know things aren't being called out or aren't being condemned as much as they should or even when we feel like we have to combat the very people we're trying to serve that's just shameful to me and it's stupid to me but Hopefully one day we all move past this. Hopefully one day a lot of this nonsense is pushed away to the side so we can start focusing on some of the bigger issues and some of the bigger things that we could be putting our time and energy for as game media, as game consumers, as gaming viewers, and as you know, an audience that frequents whatever website that you frequent. So that's my dose of real talk right there. Let me know what you guys here on the panel, Rich, Max, Gary, what do you guys think of all this or at least some of my thoughts that I put on here? Uh, I have some stuff to say, but first and foremost, Max, you have any thoughts? Uh, I believe you're muted. Yeah, you're muted, Max. You might want to fix that. <laughs> Max, Max was about to say some real deep stuff, and like nobody could hear. <laughs> no, we can't hear you. We can't hear you, Max. <laughs> well, it, 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 it sounds like the people over at Brash Games have figured out where Max lives. They have altered his internet connection. They, they saw his marriage edge chat and it's like, nah, that ain't happening, B. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. So while you fix that, Gary, go ahead. I know you have something to say. Yeah, um, a lot of that stuff is messed up and unfortunate for, you know, the people who were, who were hit by you know uh, those practices and everything uh and yeah it like jj said it does give um smaller sites like ours a bad a bad rap like because you know um i know sometimes people have a perception on you know some of the sites including ours and you know it, it doesn't it's not a good look when you know a small site like that has been exposed for doing the things that they were doing um, I believe that, you know, here at the coalition, we've, you know, we've been going almost 10 years now, it'll be 10 years next year. And I believe we've managed to maintain our integrity throughout that whole time. And, you know, we've followed, you know, the, the best practices to, you know, by the book and everything. And we've seen significant growth and we're, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where we want to get to as a small site. So like, 
you know it's bad to be you know i don't like when we're kind of compared with or you know judged based on what these other sites out there do um because yeah i mean it's not easy to run a site but a lot of it is common sense and it sounds like some of the things they were doing at, at this site were just like you know real questionable like why would you run your ship like that and you know things like changing reviews and stuff because people don't write for you anymore like that's really really messed up like i i would never think to do that like because i mean they're, they're, we've had bad relationships and fallouts with you know writers in the past or whatever but i would never go back and change their work because once something's published you know that's that's their work they could refer to that you know when, when they're applying for a job or whatever they could you know show someone that so i would you know i could never fathom the idea of manipulating someone's work like that so yeah things like that are very messed up but uh, what was you gonna say max uh is this working now can you all yep, hear me you're good yeah, okay um yeah i have to agree with that completely and like jj was saying a lot he was saying that this is what the bigger sites are accused of and even us sometimes are accused of doing but this time it's actually happening and happening and the fact that people haven't been he hearing about this and that this isn't bigger news is kind of ridiculous to me and that makes me think i wonder what other sort of sites are out there that aren't that big but are like maybe brash game size or just a bit smaller that audiences are going to but they have no idea this is going on because why would you wouldn't expect that to go on why would you ever think that was happening on the site you're viewing you know what i mean you have no you should have no reason to think that so i could totally see this being a practice that's in other sites and that does make us look really bad like the media does get a lot of shit i see it all the time people say games media is the worst this and that and that but like JJ was saying, we do do our best to not do that kind of shit. It, we work very hard to make sure that we give our real opinion and that we're not shady in any way, shape, or form. Like We're very open with everything that we do and how we get to these uh, conclusions and just everything. Like, And it just sucks to see this kind of stuff. This kind of stuff should not be a thing. But I guess there's always shady practices and shady people in any industry, not just games, not even just entertainment and media, but in literally any form of money making um and all we can do i guess is try to stand up against that and spread word whenever we find out about these shitty situations now in the defense or at least to play a little devil's advocate or to bring up a supplemental to all this obviously most of the other gaming websites and i think most other websites they would rather not focus on this and focus on the games and focus on the news and the stuff that pe that matters to their audience and matters to people as part of the industry that we're all part of. I think that, you know, that's very valid. That's very understandable. And that's very true. You know, we've done that a few times where we haven't really talked or spoken on a lot of stuff because we either felt like it wasn't relevant or wasn't relevant to what you guys as our audience wanted to hear or wanted to see, especially when you have other important stuff that's going on at the time. I'm not going to kind of, you know, talk about every single thing that a, a crazy gaming YouTuber goes out and says that might be big news just simply on the fact that people in this audience are just freaking out over such stuff or because another outlet wrote about him because of the crazy things he had to say obviously as ridiculous as that might be as newsworthy as something as that might be you know there's other better topics related to gaming that other people might need to know or most people might need to know and this is the same thing in this case right here but what makes it so bad is that you know this has been a type of topic of discussion ethics and journalism 
and gaming journalism specifically, has been a topic of discussion for the last two years in our field, in our industry, in our pastime, in our hobby. And yet, when actual stuff happens, to me, not enough people, at least the people that have cared so much about stuff like that, are not talking about it. They only care about it when it's coming or when it's quote unquote supposedly coming from bigger websites when it's not, you know, as someone that actually interacts with a lot of people that are in the industry that are all over the place. Some of the biggest names in our industry, the most recognizable names in our industry that you could think of. I've actually had the privilege and have the honor and have the luck to be able to talk with them on a one on one level in some cases. And it's amazing to me how those are the people that actually care so much about ethics and so much about the audience and what they give to the audience and the and the, the 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 nuggets of wisdom, the food for thought that they give to everybody that checks out their stuff. And yet they're the ones that are the most demonized by the same people they're trying to serve. Yet when it's the flip side of that, when it's actually the the, the places that are doing stuff that actually are harming the audience and harming the fields, you know, nobody or at least nobody that was calling so much foul and crying so much wolf really wants to kind of, you know, really talk, have that type of discussion because they only care about the name of the actuality. They care about the notoriety of it. And that's wrong to me. That's like, you can't, you can't do that and not practice what you preach. That's what I'm saying. Like I've always talked about, we've had discussions about this, me and you, Rich, uh, on stuff that's happened to us with some of my reviews, uh, with, uh, with stuff in other places and other reviews that we've had on the site or other content that we've done. We've had those discussions and we've always been real about it. We've always been honest with you guys and always been transparent about it and always been kind of, you know, uh, fair in our view about it because we're not the biggest website, like I keep saying. We're not the biggest uh, outlet or even the, the, the largest medium-sized site out there. But we feel like what we bring to the table is real enough and what we feel we bring to the audience is good enough that people that are going to ride or die with it or people that are going to really be interested in it are going to enjoy it when they actually check it out and stuff. And it should be the same way with any other website out there. But I feel like there needs to be a little bit much more higher standards being held to most websites out there or by not just us, but most people that actually follow the industry that care so much and have a passion about discussing and being immersed within the gaming industry, if not just games media, that that we should take a much more kind of harsher and fairer view on things. And I feel like this is one of those cases where we need to be uh, as looking down upon this type of stuff as much as possible because it's not good. It's not fair to those people that were writing all those editorials that are getting put blame on them when they never really did anything wrong, that are being treated unfairly when they're just trying to get out there and trying to get exposure for their work and trying to actually get uh, notoriety and, and, and a portfolio that they could build up so they could show to some of these other websites that hopefully one day they could probably get a job. I've been in that position. I'm still in that position. And that's something that's very important to somebody that wants to be part of the field that wants to make an impact out there and is this type of thing that just knocks everybody back down for no reason but that's just me i'm talking too much on it i've already dropped enough real talk i don't, I don't know if anybody can handle that as much anymore but it's totally true it's something i'm very passionate about yeah uh i i agree with a lot that has already been said i don't want to have to repeat too much i do want to give a shout out to mark in the chat he had a great comment, said that we do great stuff, and he thinks it will imprint on the industry one day. We definitely appreciate that comment. Um, I, I did want to say this, you know, and, you know, I have to add a little bit of a, you know, in, in terms of the name, the Brash Games website, um, I feel as though they have lived up to their name. Brash means rude, cocky, and arrogant, and that is exactly how they have decided to treat their writers, which is absolutely horrible. Um, we've had a lot of people that have written stuff on our site in the past, you know, writers. Um, never once have we ever changed 
any of their content when they decided to leave or when they had other opportunities that came up. We will never do that because as Gary has already said, once somebody writes and they put their work out there, that is their work. Um, you don't really have any any right to, to make any changes to that type of stuff. Um, and they deserve credit and recognition for the work that they've done. It's as simple as that. Um, the whole thing about hearing that the guy was trying to blame the writers and all this other stuff, you know, the fact that he is not, doesn't have a sense of accountability would have me question why is he even a considered a leader in the first place? Because this is something that I feel as though in this particular time, and I'm not going to talk about what's going on in politics and stuff like that, but I, I will say that I feel as though everybody should be accountable for their actions. They have to be held accountable for their actions. Should not be in a society where you, you know, you do something and then someone else is blamed for it. And then you sit there and you're not willing to accept the consequences for your actions. It just doesn't make any kind of sense. Um, but this is how things are nowadays, unfortunately, to some degree. Uh, and I think it's very horrible to hear about the writers that went through this whole process while working for that website. It's it's terrible. Um, I know a lot of this stuff does shine negatively upon the independent sites. But again, you know, I feel as though that there are some things that are always going to be out there that people are going to have their own little, um, you know, preconceived thoughts about how an independent site is, about the fact that it's just like any other site. Only the people who actually take time to actually read the content that an independent site puts out there, watches their videos, they and, and then getting a chance to actually know the people that run the site. I feel as though those are the people that are only really going to have an appreciation for that site and what they bring to the table from an industry perspective. Uh, a lot of people will not take time to do that. They will see that there's one site that like this site that treats their writers like shit and then does all this other stuff. And then they'll think, oh, well, they're all the same. And that's unfortunate for someone to be narrow-minded. You know, people have to really open up their minds to see what everyone has out there in terms of content. Some content is good, some is not good. But ultimately the people who take the time out to actually check out our site, those are the ones we appreciate the most. You know, the ones that are watching today's show, the ones that comment, on the podcast and all the content we have on the site, you guys are the reason that we do this stuff. We talk about it as this is all things that we all have the agreement that we all love video games, so on and so forth. So it's great to be able to have people that actually do check out the content and are here for that. Um, so it's horrible to hear about this stuff going on, but unfortunately I, I do feel as though this stuff is going to continue to happen in the industry because it's just it just feels that way you know we're, like i said right now if i could be very candid the country is very divided now uh and i think that this goes into pretty much in every avenue you know if you say certain stuff online that someone may perceive to be a threat or perceive to be inappropriate then they will call you out it's like they it, a lot of that is going on now it has been happening for a while but even more so since this year has started um so I just feel as though that's unfortunate. So I, for that reason, I don't think it's going to be any any really changes in terms of how the industry is. Um, but I just feel as though those that are putting out good content, eventually, like Mark said already earlier, I think that those are the ones that have, will eventually get their messages across. And they, they are the ones that will have people that support them more because of that. So 
I mean, there's been a lot said on the topic already that you guys touched on. I didn't want to have to repeat too much, but I just think that it's a horrible practice. I hope that more people will give, you know, other independent sites a chance, though, and not really look at this as an example to say, oh, they're all the same. No, they aren't the same. Give them the opportunity to show you what they have to offer. And then you can make your up your mind as to whether or not you think they are the same. But honestly, it's I really don't think a lot of this stuff is going to change. Uh, so it's just our job to continue to do what we're doing, do a good job of what we're doing. And that will speak for itself. But, Hashtag real talk. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next I think we covered it pretty thoroughly, but it was a good talk. Very, very real talk, and I'm happy it happened. Yes, I agree. Very glad it happened as well. Uh, a lot of stuff had to be said, so glad we got that out the way. So uh, now we'll continue to jump back into the gaming stuff. I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to some of these other news topics we got to get into. Well, really only one other news topic. So, um, Gary, perhaps you can shed some light on where this information came from, but there are some analysts that have made a prediction that the PlayStation 5 will release in fall 2018. Now, I will just say now, I don't believe that, but I want you to first dive into where this story came from, because I believe that these analysts also made predictions about the PlayStation 4 Slim um, and the PlayStation 4, but go ahead, the floor is yours. Yeah, um, I actually don't know, like, which analyst this came from. Like, I just know that I've been hearing about this ever since it came out. Like, all week, people have been kind of talking about this. And, you know, so that's why I, you know, added it to the agenda and stuff. But I'm not sure which analyst actually came up with it. Um, do do any of you know, like, where it originated? Uh, I, the only information I know is that I heard that in the story that these are the same analysts that predicted the PlayStation 4 uh, Slim, which I don't really think is a prediction because we already knew that that system was coming. Before the leak, the stuff leaked out, we knew, oh, there's definitely going to be a Slim because Sony has already done this with the with the previous console. So um, this is just something that they were speculating. And, and of course, you know, they're saying fall 2018. But I don't think that, that it, there's no way in hell that that is, is coming that, that soon. Uh, because... And I'll, I, let me just explain why. And I'm gonna let, I'll let you go back and say a few things and everybody else. But I'll just explain this now. Uh, Sony, they have so many games that we ha- have seen that they still have to release. Um, and the fact of the matter is that, you know, the PlayStation 4 Pro just came out last year. So it will be a full year uh, later this year. I believe it's October, November. Will be a full year that that system has been out. I don't think that Sony needs to rush anything in terms of PlayStation 5 because there's still so many games that are coming out. There's going to be more revealed at E3 that no doubt will eventually be coming out. Every game is not coming out this year. You're going to have a ton of games that will drop in 2018. Uh, I'm going to assume now that Death Stranding, that game is not coming out until maybe 2019, maybe even 2020. You know, who knows? But my thing is that they, they because they have such a strong software lineup. I, I really don't see a need for Sony to rush a new console. You, some people may say, well, well, yeah, because Scorpio is coming out, so therefore Sony's hand will be forced to rush the console. I think that's all BS because Sony has a strong lineup of games. 
And as long as you have a good lineup of games, that's what that's what's going to matter most at the end of the day. I mean, this whole thing about the power is important and the power matters. To some, it's going to matter. Uh, obviously, the people who felt like that Xbox One was underutilized and Microsoft has acknowledged that they really didn't do a good job with the Xbox One. Um, they will get Scorpio and they'll be happy with that. And third party gate, third party, you know, the third party ports will be uh, of a higher quality. But my thought is that again, Sony has a strong lineup. We can talk about third parties, and that's a whole nother topic, but they have a whole bunch of games that are only on PlayStation that people are going to be looking forward to. Um, so I, I just think that at the end of the day, 2018 is too soon for PlayStation 5. Uh, I, I think, again, 2019, maybe even 2020, if they want to do that. But there's, there's way too many games coming that I, I really don't think that that, I believe any of the things that those analysts ha have to say about that, because there's no reason for Sony to, 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 to go that route. That's way too soon. But uh, you guys can share your own thoughts. So, Gary, if you wanted to go first, you go ahead. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like that's way too early. And um, also, I mean, like, I know Scorpio coming out, it, it might put a bit of pressure on Sony because, you know, the, that console is going to be so advanced, uh, even compared to the PlayStation 4 Pro. But I think it's going to look very bad if Sony, do if Sony did release a PS5 in 2018, it will look really bad on them because they just, like, it feels like they literally just launched the PS4 Pro and, you know, they haven't really marketed it that much um but yeah it feels it would feel desperate you know like if they did that because you just pitched us on this ps4 pro that's supposed to you know play 4k and everything and cater to the the high-end gaming audience and everything and now you're gonna jump to the next console like i think it's way too soon i know that um there's been talk that you know consoles are going to um they're going to adopt the, the iPhone model where, you know, you, you get a new phone like every year or every two years or wherever it is. But I still feel like it's way too soon for that. I, I don't I don't feel like enough groundwork has been laid for that to happen. And I'm pretty sure gamers don't want to deal with that kind of cost, you know, consistently. So, yeah, I think it's way too soon. And uh, I'm not really sure where these analysts were going with this prediction. Um I feel like Sony's at a great spot right now and to do something like that might put them in question a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's way too soon. I'm of the same mindset. And there's a couple different reasons for this because, number one, keep in mind, whenever a new console or even a new model of a console comes out, like the PS4 Pro, or any, you could even argue with this with Xbox Scorpio, uh, when developers make games, they have to go through a whole process, not only of certification, but also have to pay a certain amount of money, I think it is, to put their games on the different consoles, on the different platforms. Let's keep in mind that when the PlayStation 4 Pro, before it came out or at, leading up to its release, some developers were pretty pissed off. I remember that. I remember watching some podcasts and reading some stories about how people would talk to different devs at, at a variety of different uh, places. And they would say, like, you know, that's got to be a real pain in the ass 
to put your game out on one platform, but then you got to make sure that it works on the other platforms as well. That not only you have to pay and at least get uh, your game through certification on both platforms, even if it is PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro. That's just that ecosystem like that. Now, imagine now that we just got the PS4 Pro and we still have the PS4 live on the market, you know, between those two models. And now you, you're telling me they're going to introduce another console that uh, publishers and developers are going to have to put their games on as well. On top of that, it just doesn't seem realistic to me. And on top of that, Sony has already put so much stock and so much energy into putting out the PlayStation 4 Pro the last, like, I want to say a couple of months, you know, since the game came, since the system came out, or at least since the since before the console came out that also now they're just going to drop that or they've had this PlayStation 5 uh, project working in the background for a long time. I I do believe, in all honesty, that R&D is being done for the PlayStation 5 right now. I don't think we're going to see anything for it until about 2020. And the reason why is because you could squeeze so much more out of PlayStation 4 right now. And they know this. They have a bunch of PlayStation 4s out in the wild that people have bought in their households. They still have a variety of amazing games that have come out or are still coming out very, very soon. I don't think The Last of Us Part 2 is going to be a PlayStation 5 game. That's being done on PlayStation 4 hardware easily like that. You're still going to get games like that. And I'm pretty sure, you know, to just throw another one out there, Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm pretty sure that game is going to get a sequel at some point. That's not going to be done on PlayStation 5 hardware. It's probably going to be done on PlayStation 4 hardware because that's what's hot right now. That's at least where you can get those games out into gamers' hands that people are going to buy those games right now. Uh, And again, getting another platform or another piece of hardware on the market you as a developer as a publisher you have to make sure those games work on across all platforms not just you know porting it over it's not as easy don't get me wrong it's easier now to port games between the different platforms between xbox and playstation and even arguably ps4 and ps4 pro because they're built like pcs but it's still a process to go through and it's something that it's, it causes a lot of headaches and costs a lot of resources and all honesty on top of that too if the ps4 pro I mean, not the PS4 Pro. If the PS5 was a thing right now, if there was a box, if there was a white paper, if there was any of that stuff, we would have already heard about it by now and not from an analyst. We would have heard it from a leak. We would have heard someone like Jason Shire at Kotaku have some Batman ninja skill like reporting on there to have all that stuff leak out. If not around the time of E3, as we go into E3 time now this time, that we were already seeing a white paper. I don't think any of that stuff is figured out yet. I don't think any of that stuff will get figured out until as we, until we get closer to 2020. That's when I could realistically see another platform coming out, another console coming out from them because there's no need for them to do it. There's no need for new power. There's no need for more power. There's no need for other capabilities right now when PS4 is already doing so much more at this point. Yeah, definitely agree with all those points. Matt, Max, you have uh, something to add? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure right now. I'm not a hundred percent sure on if this is BS or not because I don't think that the Scorpio is going to be putting pressure on Sony. I really don't think that that has a large effect on anything because, like you guys said, it has a lot of games coming out on PlayStation 4 in Scorpio right now doesn't seem to have much coming. Like Sony doesn't have much to worry about in regards to that, but I would not be surprised if late 2018 or like 2019, we do hear something about a PS5, like maybe not coming that year, but I don't know something. I just have a gut feeling that there may be something coming a bit sooner than we think, especially because 
and this was weird and it probably won't be happening for a while, but Phil Spencer is already talking about what's coming after the Scorpio. I've seen one or two uh, short interviews where he mentioned like, oh yeah, we're doing some R&D and we're like, we're already thinking about what's going next. And that makes me think Sony might be doing somewhat of the same thing, but obviously I can't for say for sure when. I mean, yeah, of course they're like going to be doing research and development and stuff, but I don't know. I, I have a weird, weird feeling that it may be coming sooner than we think. And whether that's for better or worse, I can't say for sure, but I don't know. I really so, don't. L- 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 so let, yeah. let, let me ask a quick question. I got to ask a quick question. Yeah. So what if you guys, we, we go to the Sony conference, we see oh, all these wonderful games, and then at the end, we get a teaser. The next, the next evolution of PlayStation. That'd be stupid. That'd be really stupid. <laughs> no, there's a legitimate reason for this. Because like I said, there's so many great games that have yet to come out right now that people are actively excited about. That people are down with. Like again, Days Gone, uh, Spider-Man, um, what is it? The Last of Us Part 2, Destiny 2, even though that's a multi-platform game. Like there's still a lot of games that people are actively excited about right now because PlayStation 4 is doing so well. That's what people are hyped up about. You can say what you want about Scorpio because I think Scorpio is going to be a super powerful system and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But right now, top dog is Sony. Let's be real for a second because they're the ones that are doing are having a phenomenal year thus far and not just with the types of releases that they got, with the amount of consoles they got out there in people's houses. Why would you go out there when you're on riding that high right now and tell everybody, hey, there's another console coming out? Because then at that point, people are going to have in their minds, why would I get any of these games right now on a PlayStation 4? Or why would I get any more? Uh, was it, if I don't have a PlayStation 4, why would I get a PlayStation 4 right now? Because granted, as many consoles as there are out in the market now that people have bought, there's still other people that haven't bought a PlayStation 4 just yet. And I think that when you got such a dominance right now and you have such an established like momentum going, it'd be suicide to really kind of make an announcement like that. This is one of the reasons why so many people like myself didn't like when the PlayStation 4 Pro got announced, that we didn't need it, even though it is what it is right now at this point. You could argue the same thing about Scorpio, but I feel like that's a totally yeah, different piece and that's a totally different situation, you know, what's what's going on, because I feel like Scorpio, it the guts in it are radically different. That, that, that system's going to be much more powerful than the standard Xbox One, for better or worse. But as far as having a new model out, when you're on when you're on this much of a hype train and when you're on this much of like a was it a momentum wave like it's stupid to me that that'd be really that's why i say like at least 2020 realistically that that sounds like a good spot for me or at least for anybody to be talking about playstation 5 right now or at least by that point because at least 2018 2019 you have all these big games that are being developed that have been developed and are being announced for playstation 4 that's true yeah um Max, you're definitely not wrong for reading into those signs because I do believe that that is the direction that these companies want to go in. Like they mm-hmm. they do want to make you know regular um, updated versions of their console, like you know with maybe a two year gap or whatever. Like I, they, they they do want to do that. Like let's be clear. But I just feel like with the PS5 in particular it would be a bad move for it to release next year. Now, maybe it will be announced, you know, next year, maybe, yeah. but uh, I think it would be a very bad move to release it next year. Um, and I feel like if that was going to be the plan, they should have been a lot more transparent when, you know, they, um, when they described the PS4 pro and, you know, what they were planning to do in the future. Cause I do believe that any console we get from here on, 
is going to be fully backwards compatible like meaning you can use literally the same games you have now and play it on that system and you know vice versa so any game you buy for playstation or any game you buy for xbox you're going to be able to play that game forever on on whichever version of the the hardware you own so i do feel like you know that's going to be the case it's going to be the the iphone model but i feel like it's too soon to introduce that like at the moment so yeah i feel like they might shoot themselves in the foot i don't think that translates well to our industry to be honest with you i don't think it could be really handled in the same way like i understand the logic by them especially if it gets people to buy more consoles frequently a lot more frequent than what they would in the past but i just don't think it's going to work as well i do you have to acknowledge though that the whole backwards compatibility thing is only going to it's only become a big deal now ever since microsoft figured out how to make xbox one backwards compatible with xbox 360 games because remember i think it was playstation and i think even xbox to some extent at one point said it was impossible to do i remember that was a big story that yeah. everybody blew up at Same one point that. and the guys at microsoft figured it out and I think that's a very big deal. And that obviously is going to come into play much later on, especially if we do end up getting a PlayStation 5 sometime down the line. People are going to ask, okay, what about my PS4 games? You know, that already you've already invested so much time. The thing about it is that the more time you wait for the, what is it, for a new console to come out, like if we go past 2019 into 2020 territory, at least with that, then there's a better argument to be made. It's like, okay, this is the next generation, and now it's time to move on from the PlayStation 4. But even then, like, you can make the argument that, like, you know, you don't, you can make it so that way people don't have to do that, and that'll be a strong point for everybody to pick up your console because all that backlog of games that you have, you can still play on your new hardware. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree that they're all going to be backwards compatible, like, without question. Like, that's a thing that just kind of needs to happen nowadays. But, um... I just, I don't think anything is coming next year. Like, I don't think that a PS5 is coming next year at all. Like, I don't think that's the case. I I don't think there will be an announcement either, but I could definitely see the announcement coming 2019 for it coming, like, much later on, just because the Scorpio is, the Scorpio may end up doing really well, and if it does well, Sony can kind of learn from that, because that kind of gives, um, that kind of gives the consumer the choice to pick which platform which is exactly what you were just saying that the ps5 would have to play these backwards compatible games as well that what people would be asking about their ps4 games well if the scorpio can play current xbox one games then a ps5 could play ps4 games or whatever they end up calling it that kind of solves the same problem there i still don't think it's coming like next year or maybe not even 2019 but i would not be surprised if we saw like the announcement 2019 you know what i mean yeah, awesome. and like, I, I feel like um, a lot of companies are trying to go with this um, software as a service mentality. So I think they want to make the value be, you know, uh, the, the PlayStation Network and the Xbox One. And, you know, that's where the ultimate value lies in, you know, in what they offer. And the, the hardware is just a vehicle you to enjoy it on uh, so i feel like you know they're, they're trying to create more long-term value and long-term streams of income and i feel like this kind of falls into you know what they they want to do in the future like so i do believe that we're going to see regular iterations of both both platforms and it's going to be your choice whether you want to buy the new one like you don't have to because the game will still work either way 
it's just maybe like you'll have like a, a lower quality version of the game or something but yeah i feel like that's where we're going in the future with gaming it's going to be basically the pc model you know but yeah on console which i don't know if i'm a fan of to be honest the pc wins that argument every time gary you'd already know this <laughs> yeah because i mean like you you get new graphics cards that come out like every year and these are like 300 dollars and up so i feel like it's it's going to be similar to that with the consoles Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, E3, listen, it's going to be interesting either way. But yeah, Sony has, they have a lot of games left to show. Um, I'll be curious to see what happens with this, with Scorpio. Um, I just hope that Microsoft does not call it the Xbox One Pro, because I will say, listen, no, don't name the system that, please. <laughs> don't, do not do that. But we'll see what happens. Um, so... Any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the uh, main discussion for today? I think I'm good. No, no more thoughts. Really. Okay, now this discussion is going to be a very interesting one because I, I must confess that, you know, I do not want to go first because I have to really think about this a little bit further. But um, Gary wanted to pose the question of what are our top three games so far this console generation? Um, now, I believe that uh, we haven't really, I mean, consoles have been around for almost four years now. Well, yeah, about almost four years now. So, because um, we they launched at the end of, of 2013. So, this is going to be kind of difficult for me to think about. Now, now we have to define yeah, this. To me yeah, talking, yeah well, I was going to say, we got to define this. Are we talking PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch generation specifically? Yeah. Yeah, that, particularly okay. those three consoles and, of course, PC as well. So, yeah, okay. those, those three that you mentioned. Yeah, Switch well, just, well, just I don't know if it's better to include PC then at that point, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, PC is essentially the same anyway because it's all the same games come out on PC. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, very, very few like, PC exclusives that were super highbrow. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in terms of the games that are included, it's going to be, you know, any game that that that's been out since the launch of the ps4 and the xbox one onwards pretty much so like i can't mention a pc game from 1999 or something you know? <laughs> now now here's but another yeah, question um, here's a quick question though and i'm gonna let you continue what about a game that was released at the tail end of last generation and then got a remaster on the on the net the next gen you can't count those games either or are we counting those games too um, you, you can't. No. no remasters aren't included. But okay. if if a game came out at the end of you know last gen and this the exact same game was also released on you know the PS4, then you you can include that. Like okay. Assassin's but Creed it, it or Battlefield Four or something. Yeah, I don't think yeah, it's exactly. fair to include that. To be honest with you, because those games to me are last gen games because those were their original platform was on PS3 and Xbox 360. Because you could say that about The Last of Us. The Last of Us also came out. The Last yeah. of Us remastered on PS4. I don't think that's fair, to be honest with you, because that's a PS3 game. And, and, and let me just make well, a quick well, comment. I mean, not, not exactly, because if if it was optimized for next gen, also, then it's technically next gen. It just happens to be released on both. 
and, and let me um, just make a, a, a quick comment before you continue. And Max mentioned Assassin's Creed. I, I let me just say this now: Assassin's Creed Unity better not be on any one of our li- uh, uh, lists because <laughs> that game was a complete disaster. But you know, that's just what yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't this this isn't strict as well. So I mean, if you don't want to include those games, that's fine. But like, you know, it's not strict. It's just it's just to get an idea of what you know what we're all thinking so far this gen. Um, but yeah, so just this gen from the the the, the start of PS4 and Xbox One onwards. Um, okay, so and the reason I'm going to you're going yeah, first. I'll, I'll set it off. Okay, I'll set it off. The reason I wanted to do this is because, you know, I just wanted to put a lot of focus back on games because, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the console war and, you know, what's going on with, you know, Xbox versus PlayStation and, you know, Nintendo and all that stuff. I, I just want to put the focus back on games and, you know, just reminisce and remember some of the, the great games that we've had over the past few years. That's all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it would just be a fun discussion between us about that. So yeah, I'll set it off. And the first game that I'm going to mention is um, Destiny. And I feel like this is a a really standout game, you know, that we've had this generation. Now, this this actually is one of those games that falls into that category because it it was on the PS3 and and the Xbox 360, I believe. But, you know, um, we all know that the better version of that game was on the PS4 and, and the Xbox One. Like, you needed those consoles to, to get the most out of this game. And I'm not even sure that um, the expansions were on the old consoles. Not uh, maybe all. they were, but... Not all. Yeah, I think the first two were. Yeah, the first two were, and the rest of them were just primarily for PS4 and Xbox One. And also, key aspects of that game were not on the PS3 version as well. Like, some of the main game that was on PS4. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, I, I I count this as a next gen game personally, but uh, maybe others will disagree. But I personally count it as next gen. But I feel like this game introduced a lot of ideas that we we hadn't really seen on consoles before. You know, obviously, like we've we've seen the sort of MMO social environment on the PC and stuff, in MMOs and stuff. But like, yeah, it like we we never really saw that sort of thing. You know on the console level a lot of shooters were becoming very generic um on you know on the ps3 and the xbox 360 they all seem to be you know call of duty clones and such and you know bungie was definitely renowned for for their work on halo and they kind of you know brought that as a similar type of experience to us with destiny and you know i really enjoyed it um i loved like teaming up with people and you know just go like in a fire team and and tackling missions and stuff together and then you know you can also break it up with some crucible and and you know have um some multiplayer and yeah and the whole social element and the weekly objectives that they give you and yeah i mean it had some bad business practices with the expansions i think and that's kind of why I stopped playing. But I can't, you know, I can't forget what what it did for the shooter genre this generation. I feel like it did a lot. So I had to mention that in my top three. Um, and yeah, so how do you guys want to do this? Do you each want to like give, uh, you know, give one and then go around, or should I give all my three now and then? Yeah, give all your person? three. Yeah, all three. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be smarter. Okay. Yeah. 
because everybody will talk about all three of theirs. Cool. Yeah. So um, the next game I'm going to mention is The Witcher Three, and um, that was an excellent game all around. Um, uh, I remember like earlier we was we were talking about Mass Effect and how it has a lot of missions and a lot of them are filler. Uh, a lot of people might say the same about The Witcher 3, but I, I feel like a lot of the side quests had more significance than they do in Mass Effect Andromeda. Because um, they by add far. to the overall... Yeah, by far. Because they, they add a lot to the world building, you know, in the, the Witcher storyline, I think. So it adds a lot to to the world of The Witcher, and there's always things to learn. Uh, about the characters and everything so and about Geralt so yeah I love that and it introduced one of the coolest mini games like this generation hands down the mini game was so cool that they had to create a game itself for the mini game and that's Gwent of course you know which is a card game um, I remember spending hours just playing Gwent and I would search for Gwent players like all across the the, the land just to get their cards and stuff like it was so cool um i put in like maybe 80 to 100 hours and i'm sure like 15 to 20 of those hours was just playing gwent or something so yeah very very cool game i love that game the combat was was very good a big step up from the witcher 2 um and yeah like uh, there's not much i can really say like you just you need to play that game to understand why it's so phenomenal um even if you haven't played the first two like it's it's a fantastic game definitely one of the best rpgs this generation so far um i haven't played persona yet so you know um unfortunately i'm not going to be mentioning that but my third game i'm pretty sure you already know what this is um and it's overwatch of course and i just feel like with overwatch they they just they they focused on the fundamentals of gameplay and they nailed it like you know it, it doesn't overcomplicate things with a story mode or anything like that I'm, I'm i know a lot of people want a story mode just because there's a lot of depth with the characters and stuff and like you you kind of with the shorts that they've released on youtube and stuff you kind of want to see more of that and you know i do too to be honest with you but they don't i feel like they don't need to like they could never release a story mode and i'd still be happy because it's just so fundamentally ex- exciting to play the game um and like i said a lot of shooters were generic and doing the same thing but this game is so dynamic like with the characters and the way they work like every character works differently has their own set of abilities and everything and it's all about coordinating them and working with your team to, you know, win the objective at the end of the day. And it's it, like you can have so you can have some intense matches in that game. And yeah, I just haven't had that level of intensity in like any shooter, even Destiny. Like I, I haven't felt that level of intensity, like especially playing um, competitive mode. It gets real intense with that. Um, especially with like people get caught up in a moment they'll call you names they'll be toxic and stuff they don't like they don't always mean it it's just in the heat of the game you just you get like that you know it's it's just natural and it's it's just fun it adds you know it adds so much to the intensity level 
Um, and it's hard to explain until you actually play the game. Like, I'm sure Max understands himself because he's recently got back into the game. But yeah, uh, Overwatch is amazing. Um, definitely one of my favorite games, probably ever, to be honest. But yeah, that's my top three this generation. Uh, I, I just want to make a comment. And Max, you can go next if you if you're ready to go. I just want to make a comment real quick. Uh, I'm very surprised that Final Fantasy 15 did not make your list either. But uh, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I'm I'm surprised about that too. But you know, looking back, it definitely you know isn't one of the best Final Fantasy games. It's not as you know memorable as some of the old ones. But I did still really enjoy the game. Like I still definitely recommend it to people. And yeah, it's still a fun game. But. I just feel like uh, there's been, you know, better stuff. And I'm sure Persona 5 is even better than, you know, Persona 5 is probably better than The Witcher 3. I just haven't, you know, been able to play it yet. So I can't say that. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So, well, well Max and JJ, which one of you guys are ready to go next? Uh, I'm ready, but no, JJ, go, ahead, Max, go first. Okay. Go first. I'll, I'll wait because I want to make sure that I got something right here. I got to double check, fact check something. Okay. Um, so I'm, I had a tough decision with this, um, narrowing it down to three, but I'll start off with, I have to say my most obvious one to me is Halo 5, not because of the story, because the story was absolute shit, but the multiplayer, as I'm sure you've heard me talk before, is one of the best multiplayer games like I have almost ever played. Like It's tight as hell, and it's the one multiplayer to beat out my all-time favorite halo 3 or maybe i shouldn't say beat out but it's like on par on a different level because they accomplish different things they play in very different ways but i still love it it's the only game this generation i think that i've put more than like four days into come to think of it like there are none whereas back in the day halo 3 was the only other game for me to really really do that with so for me it's just i'm happy to have my favorite franchise's multiplayer back and it's just a game i'm always down to play there's so much to do now that they added the custom browsers back and custom games and they have action sack they have all these ridiculous modes like you could go to play seriously you could go to play for fun or you could just do ridiculous shit forge is better than it's ever been I'm not into Forge anymore. Halo 3, I'd spend hours. In Halo 5, I haven't really touched it, but I still love to see what everyone comes out with. And it's just it's just a game I'm so happy to have. And it sucks because I know not a whole bunch of people are so into Halo anymore. And a lot of people have kind of given up on the series, which I get. Like, I can't blame them after Halo 4's multiplayer. Like, it wasn't awful in my opinion, but it was probably the worst in the series. But Halo 5 is just such a huge comeback, in my opinion, in terms of that. And I'm really excited to see what they do with Halo 6 in terms of that. But um, my next one would actually... Oh, Mark says we might have some more players with Game Pass. That's true, actually, because a lot of people will be willing to try it out since they have it for free. Um, my next one is actually Final Fantasy 15 because... To be fair, that's the only Final Fantasy game I have really played, so that might be different if I had played other ones. But that game, to me, that's another game that I put a shit ton of time in, and I still actually have to go back to and play. I'm sad to hear that the expansions aren't very good, but for some reason, or the one expansion isn't very good so far, but 
for some reason, just the dynamic between the four characters and just exploring the worlds with them and how relatable they were and just hearing their banter and how much you got to know them and just spend time with them. I absolutely loved that. The story was the main overall story. It was fine to me. I enjoyed it, but that's what really sold it on me. I'd never really had an experience quite like that. Just running through with just three of your best friends, or I guess four technically, because Noctis is his own character. Um, four like really good friends and just like feeling like you're almost a part of them is really, really cool in my opinion. Like I felt like I could be good friends with any of those characters in real life. And that's something I've just never, never done. And yeah, Mark says I need to play seven. I have seven on Steam. I'm I'm probably going to play six first though, because I've actually started six. So I'm going to play through that. But no, Final Fantasy 15 is just, that's a game I could, I feel like I could just play for a hundred more hours and still just be enjoying every minute of it. And I plan on getting back into it and doing not a whole second run through, but just doing all of the extra content that I've missed. Cause I still haven't done, there's so much I still haven't done in that game. And I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And my third game this is a tough pick. It was actually between Destiny and Overwatch, but just for the sheer reason that I don't have that much experience with Overwatch as much as I like to keep up on it and enjoy it, whereas Destiny I have a ridiculous amount of experience with, I'd have to say Destiny for a lot of the same reasons Gary said. Like, pretty much all of the same reasons, actually. It's, it's going in with your friends and doing some of the missions in there like the story sucked but the gameplay was so solid and sharing that experience with your friends kind of like final fantasy 15 except with your actual friends going through and just being a squad and fighting off aliens it's like bro fun you know it's almost a bro game like you're just running through fighting hordes of aliens it's kind of ridiculous but the gameplay is so tight and so solid kind of like halo 5 that's another reason i like it like i remember when i first started destiny i just the melee alone like the fact that I could punch people and it was probably the best feeling melee in any game I've ever played. Like that was awesome in itself. And the gameplay is so solid. Like a lot of people don't like grind. And I know a lot of the reason Gary liked it is because of the grind. He likes the grind. I like the grind too, depending on the game and destiny. It handles it so well because it's just so fun to play. Like I, at times I wouldn't care that I was doing the same mission over and over again, just because it felt so good. I loved feeling the game. It was a little addictive, um, now I'm kind of past that point where I'm kind of annoyed that they've been reusing all the content and everything, but since I've gotten those expansions and luckily enough for free, um, I'm back into it and I'm excited to keep playing it. Like it's been on my mind all day and I'm going to try and get into it later on again tonight, but there really is no game quite like Destiny, just like Final Fantasy 15 in my opinion. There's no game quite like it. Like it's a perfect blend between Halo and Borderlands, which is weird to say, but and I didn't know I ever wanted that, but I really, really want it. And that makes me want Destiny 2 to be what we wanted Destiny 1 to be. I still, like I said earlier, I'm not sold that it will be, but it's just, it's such a cool combination. And I just, I really, really enjoyed playing it. And it's so, it's weird to say how similar the game really is to Halo, if you think about it. Like, there's the three races that are kind of fighting. Like, there's an extra race in there in Destiny, but there's still, like, the three main races. And then there's, um, there's like, the little person following you around instead of Cortana in your head. It's a little ghost that follows you around and does all the talking and everything like that. And 
even the guns look look and feel very similar. Like I feel like it's where Halo would have went if Bungie would have stuck with Halo. Like in terms of gameplay, not maybe not the open world aspect, but in terms of how it feels, like the gunplay and the melee and everything. Because I'd argue that Halo Five and Destiny are very very similar in terms of gameplay and how tight they are and how good they feel, and they're just they're the best console shooters on the market in terms of like how they feel and how tight they are. But yeah, Destiny is just, it was something else. And it's, the fact that people are still playing it to this day shows it. Even if the expansions were, the first two expansions were shit. Like, people still push through all that and are still playing it to this day. Like, that's something else. Like, the game, I think, if I remember correctly, it didn't review super well. Like, it got sixes and sevens, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. But that might have been the case. And, like, people are still playing it. Like, that doesn't happen often. And it's really cool. Awesome. Okay, Mr. Lugo, you go next. All right, so I have a little bit of a special case. I have one honorable mention that I think we should talk about outside of my three that I think is important. The thing is, is the reason why I give it an honorable mention and not in my list is because I feel like it's a special case and it's not on a console. Uh, but I want to talk about it afterwards. Let me give you my three, though. Okay, I think the one that we all of us unanimously agree upon is Destiny. I think that is a genre defined, or at least a generation defining game, because of a number of different reasons. Uh, I think the biggest one is because it, it really changed the perception of what a first person shooter can be. Uh, Bungie's done this before, especially with the the aspects of controlling a first person shooter. If you remember prior to Halo. The, the way that first-person shooters controlled on consoles are radically different than what they are now, especially when really FPSs were primarily on the PC. You know, stuff like Quake, stuff like Counter-Strike, Half-Life, the list goes on. Uh, but with Destiny, I think that it, it's a more of a sociable game than I feel more so than Overwatch. And the reason why I give it more to Destiny than Overwatch is because I feel like Destiny, you can enjoy alone and still get a big, huge social aspect to it. And I feel like with Overwatch, Overwatch you can't really enjoy alone, and you can't really you can't really play with randoms like that and still get the same type of experience that you would get when you're playing with like a team and stuff. I, I know that's a very far fetched thing to say, but when you play it, like if you play the two games back to back or side by side, and you you besides the amount of content because they're two radically different first person shooters, but the experiences that you get, some of the aspects to them are very similar. But I feel like Destiny does them a whole lot better. It has nothing to do with the character design. I understand that's a thing that people really love about Overwatch, and I feel like it's a good aspect of it. I think it could be a little bit overblown in some cases because at the end of the day, outside of character design and outside of level design and outside of like you know music and stuff, it's the gameplay at the end of the day that really defines what a game really is in essence and granted overwatch is good with the whole you know the 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 team fortress-esque kind of like you know arena shooter i want to call it i know that might not be necessarily what it's like defined as but i feel with what you get with destiny especially with not just in the main game but in the post-game content has so much more of a significant impact on people than it does with overwatch i think that overwatch a lot of the a lot of the charm comes from a lot of the vocal minority and the vocal word of mouth that you hear about it, even though it is a good game. But Destiny is a game that has shown that it lasts a long time, that it, it really stands the test of time in many different ways. And even just now, we're getting a sequel now at this point, and I feel like it's going to be sim- somewhat similar, but a lot of stuff is going to be addressed and different than what Destiny did when it first launched, because it was a radically different game, if you guys remember that. You know, it was still had a lot of the aspects that we know of now, including the loot system, which I think is the most addictive aspect 
to Destiny is getting the new loot, getting all the weapons, going on the raids. There's an aspect to that that's so addictive that Overwatch just doesn't have, I feel like. You know, again, if we're talking just first-person shooters. So I have to give it to Destiny first as, as one of the big uh, generational defining games for the PS4 and Xbox One generation, even though it was on PS3 and stuff. Second game I want to give it to. This is an unorthodox pick, and you guys are going to be like, what, JJ? Like, what the hell? I want to give it to Mortal Kombat X. And the reason being is because Mortal Kombat X for the fighting genre really changed up the game big time for the genre. Granted, Street Fighter were really responsible for the resurgence of the fighting game genre. I feel like Mortal Kombat 9 and eventually Mortal Kombat X is where it took the genre in a totally different direction, where I feel like was a natural evolution for it. Because a lot of the emphasis on gaming today, you know, ever since the beginning of this console generation, and even before then, in the last console generation, there was a very big push and a very big move towards narratives in video games. And I feel like it took a long time for Capcom and a lot of other fighter uh, fighting game developers to catch on with that. And I felt that Mortal Kombat, it always had a, a, a steep, a good kind of like foundation in, in narrative as far as like having a plot, even though it was cheesy. But with Mortal Kombat 9, it really showed that the fighting games could really have a good cohesive plot, even though it might not be as good as a lot of other games out there, you know, that are built towards having a very good story or telling a good story. It still had one that was really significantly better than what you got in many of the other games. Better than Street Fighter. I would argue better than Tekken. Obviously better than Virtual Fighter. Uh, you could even argue to some extent better than Guilty Gear, Blast Blue, and all these other games that are out there. Mortal Kombat X, I feel like, was really the game that really pushed it above and beyond to, up to the point that we got now with Injustice 2. I think that Injustice 2... After it came after, I believe Justice 2 was after Mortal Kombat X, am I right? Or was it before Mortal Kombat X? I, I got the time, might have the times wrong. But I know what you see in Mortal Kombat X and what was done in Mortal Kombat XL is what you're seeing even built upon further uh, with more, with Injustice 2 and all the other games that uh, NetherRealm Studios has been working on. And a lot of stuff is being pulled from that and you're starting to see it emulated in other fighting games. Street Fighter Five, perfect example, is, is a prime example of that. Uh, we're getting the same thing now with Tekken. Especially, funny enough, how Tekken, the developers of Tekken and Bandai Namco, they had a real good grounding with story in Soul Calibur. And I was always surprised that none of that really bled over to the Tekken franchise, which we're starting to see now, especially with the, the command inputs that you see, the, the quick time events that you're seeing in some of the story stuff for Tekken 7. That's a very good thing that we're starting to see kind of like, you know, diffuse over into other fighting game franchises. But really, I credit it to Mortal Kombat X for this console generation, even though it was established in Mortal Kombat 9. So you got to give big props for that, for changing up a lot of stuff that's happening with the genre. Same thing with Destiny, if you guys are starting to see the theme here uh, between the games that I'm choosing. Destiny did that for the FPS genre. Uh, Mortal Kombat X, I felt, did that for the fighting game genre. Now, some people might feel a little bit different. If you could think of a different fighting game that might have did that a little bit better for this console generation, I'd be love. I would love to hear it. But I feel that is a game for really changing up the the fighting game genre for the better in this console generation. Now, my final pick. Okay, this one obviously it might seem a little bit kind of like hand fisted in, but there, there's for a couple good reasons. I'm gonna kind of you know argue that. Okay, or at least I'm going to make my case for it. I'm going to give it to Persona 5. And the reason being I'm going to give it to Persona 5 is because not only just for RPGs, this genre, granted over games like, you know, The Witcher 3, games like The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild now on Switch, uh, and a lot of other, uh, was it, role-playing games that are out there. Persona 5 is the one that I feel like is not only has the most established identity within itself, but it does everything that, it, that its genre is known for to the utmost perfection. 
or at least as close as you're going to get to it. One of the things that I feel is interesting that, that I even talked about this with my Persona 5 review and even our discussion, Rich, was basically when I said that a lot of people for this console generation, they would give it to games like Breath of the Wild. They would give credit to games like Horizon Zero Dawn, like The Witcher 3, and, and games that are very similar to them. But one of the things that I feel like Persona has over all those games is that the locations that you go to, I feel like mean something even more. Has, has a little bit more of a special charm, more so than just progressing all through this wide area or through this area that you could explore just to get from point A to point B. I feel like with the locations in Persona 5, there's a personality in them and a character that's built into them. You know, granted, you're you're walking around different places of Japan and like, you know, uh, Shinjuku and, to- and Tokyo and stuff. But it's it seems to have much more of a flair and a characterization and a, and a personality, more so than what I see in the locations of all the other games that I've mentioned. A lot of people say that their best game of the year for 20 uh, for 2017 is Breath of the Wilds. Uh, and I can understand from a gameplay standpoint, there's a very good argument to make there. But if you really think about it, for all the people that have played those games, and I'm not talking about the dungeons, I get it. The dungeons are the special thing about The Legend of Zelda. That's how it's always been from the very get-go of the series. But when you really think about it, can you really remember a lot of the aspects from the different locations that you travel to in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild? Or do you remember the moments that happen in there because one of the things that breath of the wild has that special charm is that you could do a lot of different stuff and you could go to most locations anywhere that you want for the most part but you don't really necessarily have a steep connection to the locations that you go to i feel like you're more connected to the story the epic tale of hyrule you're more connected to the enemies that you come across i can understand that what I feel like with Persona 5, it's not just the characters and the enemies and the stuff and the moments that you have. It's also the locations that you go to because you're going to the, a lot of those locations multiple times for even the most inane stuff and it feels special. It feels special to you. Granted, anybody that's played Persona 5 besides myself might understand where I'm coming from with this, but if you really compare them compared the games that I mentioned before to Persona 5, you could clearly see the night and day difference between how you spend time in those locations compared to other other games. Uh, you can say the same thing about Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn is going to get a lot of praise this year, and deservedly so. Horizon Zero Dawn is an awesome game. I'm still playing it right now. But I still come back to the same argument, is that Persona 5, I feel like, is a better, well-put-together, crafted game as far as being a complete package and everything about it compared to Horizon Zero Dawn for that same very reason. Outside of the soundtrack and stuff, granted, they're very different games in essence. You know, it's a third-person action RPG compared to like a more traditional uh, Japanese role-playing game, JRPG, like that. But for me, Persona Five is right now in in the way that it handles everything is the pinnacle of what the JRPG could be or what an RPG can do very well without being too overwhelming. That was another thing, and the reason why I mentioned The Witcher Three because Grant, you guys talked about it a little bit uh, beforehand. One of the things about The Witcher Three, Grant, that I haven't spent a lot of time with it. But the common theme that I see from everybody out there that talks about it is that it's very overwhelming with the stuff that you could do. It's very overwhelming with the places and things that you could you could accomplish in the game, with the stuff that you come across that gets you sidetracked a lot. It, there is no sense of consistency or like, you know, as far as, you know, going going through the story, like you're either getting lost or not feeling like you're doing something that's unimportant. And I feel like that's the common stuff that I hear from everybody that plays The Witcher 3. Granted, they praise it so much. And again, I understand why that game gets a lot of praise because it's a beautifully built game, phenomenally designed game as far as how much content you could put into there, as far as the way that the world looks, the characters and the stuff that you could do, the interactions you could have. That's awesome. It's on the same level, if not better, than a Mass Effect 
And I could say that from like playing Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. Those are those are awesome wrestling RPGs and deservedly so. But again, I go back to the same thing with Persona 5 that I feel like everything about that game, you have such a stronger connection, not just to the characters and the events that you go through, but the locations that you visit more so than you do in The Witcher 3, in Horizon Zero Dawn, in Breath of the Wilds. That's what makes that RPG the genre-defining RPG of this console generation for me. Okay, I understand a lot of people might not agree with that, and there's again a million different arguments you can make for all those games and it's good that we can have those discussions and it's good that you could have those dis, uh those disagreements and have those points of view because again in essence there's a lot of freaking great games that could be made to have the argument to be the best of their generation the best of their genre for this console generation and that's an awesome thing to have but that's where i'm coming from that's where i feel right now uh now the other game that i want to mention i want to get your guys thoughts because i know also we have to hear rich's games the honorable mention I want to give a shout out to that I feel is very important, but doesn't really fall into the category of where I'm coming from with my picks is Undertale. The reason why I say Undertale is because Undertale is a game that has multiple identities to it. It's, it's a game where you don't just approach it from, from one specific way. It is still an RPG and a nod to Earthbound. It's designed, it's clearly super inspired by Earthbound in so many different ways. The guy that created it, so uh, I believe not, I think, believe it's Toby Fox cre- that yep, created Toby it, Fox. said that that game, yeah, that said that that game is, is a huge love letter to Earthbound, understandably so. What makes that game special, outside of the stuff that I don't really like about it, which is like the very meta stuff, is that that game could be approached many different ways and get a unique experience every time. And you could get a, a million different combinations of stuff that happens with that game, as well as also the other stuff that happens post-game. I think that's awesome. I think that's that's a very divisive game amongst a lot of people that talk about it, that have played it because some people the, the right way to play that game is the pacifist route because it's such a an uplifting, a cheery and and very interesting and in-depth game when you play through in the pacifist route and such a cold-hearted, such desolate, such mean-spirited game when you go the the more kind of like, you know, uh, aggressive route which is the more the killer route in that game. And then you obviously have the median in between which is like a blending of both routes. But You'll get more puzzles and more kind of like intricate character moments in the pacifist route, but you get more battles and much more hardcore tense moments during the the aggressive route. And that's a very interesting way to approach a game design, which you don't see in a lot of different places. You hear about games that give you multiple different ways to play them, give you all these options and stuff, but they hardly or seldom ever give you very divisive experiences from playing games from playing that game a very different way mass effect the prime example that we all go to for an rpg that has many different paths that lead to a whatever conclusion uh in essence it's still the same game when you play it throughout it's not necessarily radically different in the way that you approach stuff in the way that you interact with stuff outside of dialogue situations and different powers that you could gain at specific points of the game it's nowhere near in the way in the type of variety and variation that you could find in something like undertale so i just wanted to give a special shout out to that because i felt it's well 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 deserved in this console generation even though it's not a console which it should be but i digress that's a great honorable mention just want to add <laughs> I'm going to have to check out Undertale. I have not had a chance to play that game. See, that's what, that's what I say. This is going to be very difficult decisions for me all around because uh, I feel as though, and I have to say this, you know, I think you guys all had great picks, but I feel as though this generation, uh, it, it still is not where it needs to be at. When you look at last generation, though, it's, there are so many great games that you can say were, were game changers, uh, you know, just excellent by all accounts. 
this generation, I feel like it, we're still we're not not quite there yet. There have been a few titles that I think stand out, but even a game like Destiny, you know, Destiny, you could say it's a game changer, but the quality of of, of the actual storytelling or the attempt to try and tell a story, there's no way I can give them a pass with that. But we could talk about Overwatch. This is another game that rightfully so definitely deserves recognition because it's a movement. It's not really just about a game. But for somebody like me who has played games like Evolve and these other little games where it's only multiplayer, um, I have to say I was rather disappointed with those games. This is why I never gave Over, Over, Overwatch a chance. But, you know, I will consider it now because, I mean, I actually have the game. I just haven't had a time to sit down and really play it and enjoy it. So I will try it out and see what it has to offer. But um, in terms of my three picks... And I, I'll say right now, I know my picks are, are not really going to be considered game changers. Uh, more so personal picks that I think the games that I've enjoyed so far this generation because of the fact that I think that they are standout games that people need to pay attention to in some capacity. So the first pick, this was a game that I got a chance to play last year. I actually wrote a review for it last year on the site. Uh, and I was convinced that as soon as I played this game, this has to be, without a doubt, the best racing game so far this generation. I even said that in the review. That is Forza Horizon 3. Um, now, the reason why I put that on the list is because, you know, I played Forza Horizon 2. It was a great game. You know, Playground is a very great, they're a very good studio. They're very, you know, they know how to do these racing games. But this particular game, it's not, you don't necessarily have to race. There's other things you can do in the game, like explore the, you know, the world. Because they do have a, 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 a mode where you can use a drone and just fly around and see stuff. But it's the way that they approach the game from a racing game perspective. And then I, I also wanted to point this out because I saw that there's a game that's getting a lot of praise right now called, maybe you guys have heard about it. It's called uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Edition. And this is a game that a lot of people love. I, I've seen this with Zelda where these games are getting, you know, ridiculously high scores. And, you know, that's good for Nintendo. But in the case of a racing game, you know, I think Mario Kart, it's, it's, it's a good game for what it is. But when it gets to higher scores than a Forza Horizon 3, I think there's an issue with that. Because Forza Horizon, I mean, you, you just can't touch this game. Strictly from a racing game standpoint. Um, it, it, and I have to say, this is better than the main Forza games. I have to say that because there's no way that I'm going to just say that, oh yeah, Forza Motorsport is a great series. I mean, it is a good series, but Horizon this is on a, a whole nother level. Um, but yeah, the fact that they are still continuing to support the game because they just announced a uh, Hot Wheels DLC that they're going to be adding, which I think is awesome, you know. Uh, I, I just I just think that, yeah, this, without a doubt, that has to be mentioned as a fantastic racing game this generation again i know everyone doesn't like racing games it's for the same reasons that you know everybody may not be a fan of fighting games i do agree though mortal kombat x definitely deserves recognition and, and in this case i think forza horizon definitely deserves recognition because it's a great game uh bottom line awesome game uh my second pick um this may shock some i don't think so it's a game that has already been mentioned on this show, uh, and that is Wolfenstein, The New Order. 
Why would I put it this high on the list? Well, let's put it. Let's put it. Let's put it to you like this: When uh, Machine Games, this is their first game, by the way. When they decided to make this game, they said they wanted to go for a, a, a you know old school shooter type of feel. Up until this point, a lot of shooters we've had uh, they've been somewhat the same, different in certain areas, but pretty much the same. This was a game where they didn't go into it with the mindset of, oh, this needs to have a multiplayer as well, even though the multiplayer would have been good for this because the weapons are so fantastic uh, in this particular game. But they decided to focus on a single-player narrative. Um, and then they decided to, you know, have all these characters have an emotional element to it. Of course, you have the, the Nazis who are the bad guys in this. And, and I think that another thing that the game really did well is it really made you feel as though you definitely wanted revenge on the Nazis because of how they portrayed the, the stuff that they did to others. Um, it, they didn't shy away from any content that they showed in it. And I think that that definitely deserves recognition because they keep all that stuff uh, under wraps. But I, you know, honestly, this is one of the games where I played this generation and, you know... I just, I just was, was, was thoroughly impressed. I, I was so impressed with the game that I went back and I platinumed the game uh, because I wanted to get everything that this game had to offer. I did the same thing with the DLC also. Now, I do agree that the DLC afterward, not really a fan of it because of the whole, you know, the zombie stuff that they throw in there, the monsters and all. I wasn't a fan of that, of how they decided to, to do that. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, the game is fantastic. The new order is fantastic. So you 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 know if they announce the sequel at E three, which I expect. Oh, I I may lose it when I hear that announcement. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. And the third and final pick. Oh boy, this is another tough one. <laughs> okay. Um. I wanted to give this to another game, but I have to give it to this one. Uh, the third pick is is near. It has to be near Automata. Uh, and the reason why it has to be near Automata is because, you know, I don't really play too many, uh, you know, games that are developed in Japan. I don't really play too many of these types of games, but I decided to change up my routine this year. You know, I picked up Gravity Rush 2. I enjoyed that game uh, from start to finish. Um so I, I, I really enjoyed that game. But the thing about Nier, why I put Nier on this list, this to me was a perfect example of when you know that you have done a successful job as a company. You know, Square Enix had a demo for this game out that I got a chance to play that demo. And, I, and, and listen, that demo sold me on the game. I didn't have to see a launch trailer for the game. I didn't have to see any of that. All I did was play that demo. And then I was like, holy shit, this game is awesome. I'm picking this up as soon as it's available, and that's exactly what I did. And so far of, of what I played for with that game, it's been fantastic. The soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. You know, when we talk about at the end of the year, the, one of the, the game of the year contenders, um, and we talk about music in particular, this is a game that has to be mentioned because the music is just fantastic, uh, without a doubt. The characters and then the storytelling and the particular particular subject matter about life and death and androids having life and valuing life. All of these different types of, of, of areas are I'm very much interested in because they try to get philosophical with the messages that they're trying to portray. Um, but I just I just enjoyed the game 
you know, for the most part. And I understand that we're still not all the way through this generation, but these games definitely stand out to me. I mean, I'm not saying that Destiny isn't a standout. Destiny is definitely a standout title uh, for what it did. But in terms of there being games that, again, these are just my personal opinions. They're not going to be standouts for everybody. But I, I think, um, without a doubt, it's just been an excellent uh, generation for gaming thus far. More so this year, it's been a lot of awesome games left and right that's been coming out of the woodworks. So um, I'll be very interested to see what I think if we was to revisit this question again in a couple of years, maybe by the end of this year, because I think that some of my picks may change. But so far, I have to say... Those are just a couple of other ones. Let, let me just say one last thing, uh, because I know we have a fan that, you know, he doesn't talk much. Well, no, we have someone on the team that he doesn't really talk much, but he's always been talking about this game. I, I'm actually surprised that I, neither JJ or Gary mentioned this game, but where was Metal Gear Solid Five in, in on, on, on these lists? I, I'm very curious. I can make I a good to... argument for that. I can make a good argument of why it's not. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> bottom line as much as i love metal gear solid 5 i thought that the year it came out it was my game of the year over some of the other games that came out the problem is with metal gear solid 5 it doesn't define the genre it doesn't bring anything new to the table of which we think about differently about that style of game or like how we feel that it was such a put together perfect package like how i feel about persona 5 being a perfect package almost or near borderline perfect package metal gear solid 5 could have been that game and we would probably be talking about that now but with some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes with it the game suffered and the way that the design of the game and, and the way that everything was put together, especially towards the end of it, really made that whole experience suffer, even though it was such an amazing first and second half. I mean, for, first and second third of that game, and then the last third of it, it just went downhill from there. And I feel like if Kojima would have had a chance to design that game and have it complete uh, in the way that he wanted to without Konami kind of fiddling around and all the behind-the-scenes controversy that was happening, that game would have turned out completely different. Yeah, I completely agree that the last third of that game let it down, I think. Um, it started out great, like, excellent start, but yeah, that last third, man, like, it just completely fell apart. And I believe that was Konami's doing, for the most part. Didn't didn't he say that, like, they trapped him in a room or something like that for the last six no, months and he could only that. talk... Oh, that okay. had nothing to do with that. It was something totally separate. Like that was after the controversy was in full blown, where he was getting let go. That, that had nothing to do with Metal Gear Solid Five. Okay, I was just curious because I haven't played it yet, so I'm I'm not sure on all that. Yeah, they trapped him in the room. You said that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't seem far fetched. Like from the stories I heard, that was going on like a <laughs> Konami like. Doesn't um, seem far fetched at all. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're pronouncing it wrong, Gary. It's crap Nami now, but not Konami no more. <laughs> so, so you have to pro- pronounce it correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. These lists can change. And then another game that probably you know we didn't mention was Shadow of Mordor because that was another game where it had that Nemesis system, which was a yeah. uh, a lot of people saw it as a game changer as well. But I, I didn't mention it because I didn't finish the game, so. That's why I didn't. Uh, I tried to mention the stuff that I've completed. Rich, uh, what was the other game? Because you, before you said near, you said there was like another game that you was going to. Oh pick. yeah, yeah. It was going to be that. It was going to be Shadow. Oh, okay. of, uh, but but yeah, I, I did. I didn't do it though because again, I didn't finish the game. Uh, yeah. Near, okay. I had yeah, gotten I'll... to the end. So what you say? 
I was actually going to pick Nier as well, but I, I feel like I haven't played enough of it yet. But from what I've played, it's amazing. Yeah, the game is fantastic. And I'm not saying that because, you know, Square Enix, you know, I want to be in good graces with Square Enix. No, I genuinely enjoyed the game because I didn't, I, I went into it not really knowing what much to expect from the demo. All I know is the demo was badass and that was, that was what sold me on the game. Um, so we'll see. But, uh, any final thoughts, uh, for a discussion before we wrap up today's show? No, that was a good discussion, I think. Yeah, that was a great topic. Yeah, it was a great topic. We'll have to do more of these types of topics. Yes. So, uh, we thank you all for checking out today's show. Um, we are going to be doing a show about, uh, the E3 predictions in the not too distant future because we're only a month away from E3. So definitely stay tuned for that show soon, as well as all the content we have coming to the site. So, uh, you guys want to give your final shout out to, how about you go first, Max? Oh uh, yeah, as always, thanks everyone for joining in the chat. We always have some great discussion and I saw... I think two or three newer people in there that I'm not used to seeing in there. So that's always good to see getting more people coming in regularly. And I will see you guys next week. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Lugo, any shout outs that you would like to give? Uh, just shout out to everybody in the chat. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the good discussion. I saw it moving pretty fast with as we were talking about all the topics that we discussed today. Uh, shout out to the patrons. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for showing support. Keeps us uh, in, you know, keeps us motivated. Keeps us, you know, on the grind, providing great content for all of you guys. You know, we appreciate all the support. Shout out to everybody leaving comments on the reviews, sending us tweets, sending us emails, all that different stuff. Really appreciate it. Keep that up. Don't forget, guys, keep sending us and posting comments either on this episode of the Co-op Podcast, on the last one that we did, or any of the stuff that we have, or even send it to me on Twitter. Any of the stuff you guys want me to find out about uh, in regards to Destiny 2, because in a couple, in about two weeks, I believe it is, I'm going to LA for the Destiny 2 gameplay premiere. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to get hands-on time with Destiny 2. I'm going to talk to some of the people there at Bungie and Activision. going to find out a whole bunch of stuff. So anything that you guys want to know, let me know in the comments. Let me know on Twitter. Shoot me a tweet. Send me all that stuff that you guys want me to find out about this game because I'm going to have a whole lot to discuss when I get back. And I'm pretty sure which we're going to probably do another video discussion about that when I get back because there's going to be a lot to unpack. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Everyone's looking forward to Destiny 2. So definitely let us know what... uh, We'll let Mr. Lugo know what you want to know about the game. We'll try to find out as much information as possible. Yo, uh, LA is like your second home this year, JJ. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to LA. I'm going to LA a lot. I mean, this is gonna be this is gonna be my fifth or sixth time of going to LA, and then now afterwards is for E3, which is gonna be his seventh because I've gone to LA a couple times for for various different things. So it's pretty cool. I like LA. LA is clean. LA is cool. I'll tell you one thing that we need though: that Roscoe's chicken and waffles. I'm going again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're hitting up. We got two points. We got to hit up. We got to hit up Denny's. Because I gotta go get that lumberjack grand slam. I gotta go hit up Roscoe's yeah. chicken and waffles. Okay, we gotta go hit up either uh, what is it, Yard House again, and uh, maybe Starbucks. <laughs> Yo, I have an entire schedule just for our eating habits at E3. Yes. Yeah, I have a lot of friends from California. They all swear by Roscoe's. I need to try that shit. For the record, though, Roscoe's got nothing on the Waffle House. The Waffle House is king. <laughs> Straight up. Every, end all, be all, Exodia, 
final final blow is the Waffle House. Enough said. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. As long as we as long as we go to Popeyes though. Yes. Oh, it's or Smash Burger because I, I know somebody <laughs> said In and Out, but yo, it's Smash Burger is right there at LA Live. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's an In and Out this near. That, that, you yeah, know, yeah there is. Over there. It's right. Oh, it's is. right near the Microsoft uh, conference. Oh, really? I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have to. It's grab right there. I, I went to it last year. I went to it because a friend of mine wanted to go get food, but but it's right there. Okay. All right. We gotta check that out. All right. So uh, I like to give a shout out to everyone in the chat that checked out today's show. Of course, a shout out to the Patreon subscribers, and also would like to give a special shout out to. Uh, Tony Polanco and the crew over at the Throwdown because they reached a thousand subs. So congratulations, guys. Looking forward to seeing you guys get more and more subs over time. And same for us as well. So uh, Gary, now you can do your shout outs. Yeah, of course. Shouts to all of our Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins. Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelowin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and Nick Biazzo. Thank you all very much for your support. It goes a long way and helps us fund different things like the server trips and, you know, all sorts. So thank you guys. Um, and shouts to all the people in the chat today. Uh, like Max said, there, there was a few new people in there, which is always cool. So shouts to Multiple Man, uh, Nine Ten, um, and yeah, all the other new guys. And shouts to Mark and Blackstar and um, Pelvic. You know, a few of the regular people that come in as well. So shouts to all you guys, and thanks for discussing all these awesome topics with us. And it, that's pretty much. Oh yeah, and shouts to the Throwdown, of course, for reaching that milestone. And yeah, that's about it. Absolutely. So that's it for today's show. You guys have a great week and we'll talk to you all next weekend.